A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Welcome back to the Poor Hitter Podcast. This is Rob DiCastro, the Dead Poor Hitter, bringing you another episode for some jam-packed 2022 fantasy baseball prep I have on with me today, Mr. John Fish and Zach Waxman. Um, two guys are heavily involved with um, drafting in the NFPC. They play a multitude of different formats on championship 12-team leagues, draft champions, which is drafting all of main events auctioned. Um, Zach won the overall auction um, for the lower price point leagues. Um, so yeah, have them on for a nice lengthy conversation in which we talk about, you know, how they like to prepare for seasons, um, how they do some player evaluations, what they did last year, um, things they did wrong, right, things they want to do better this year. And then we talk about a league that we're in right now. We're drafting in an NFBC 50 league, which is a uh, 12 team 50-man roster, draft an old um, NFBC-style setting. So um, we talk a little bit about you know some of the things that are happening in these early drafts that are happening and you know, everything in between as well. So hope you guys enjoy the show. Bye. All right, folks, welcome back to the Poor Hitter Podcast. It's Rob D., Rob D. Pietro, the dead Poor Hitter. I'm here with two special guests tonight. I have with me Mr. Zach Waxman and John Fish. How are you guys doing tonight? What's up? Doing good, Rob. Thanks for having us on. Amen, amen. Yeah, you know, getting back onto the uh, podcast uh, tour, you know, getting ready for 2022 drafts, and I figure who best to have on than two NFBC vets who pound in the amount of total leagues every year and are hot and bothered already in the early portion of the draft season. And uh, the three of us are too hopped in a 50 league together. It was one of those situations like, ah, I guess this is going to be good podcast material too. So it just made it a lot easier to, you know, get my, uh, get into that league and join you guys. Um, so yeah, you know, I figured we'd get a little into like, you know, how you guys did last year, get into a little bit of your brain about how you like to play. And then, you know, we could spend some time talking about um, the draft that we're currently in, which is flying by, by the way. Right. I mean, I, I kind of think that the first two or three days went, went by pretty quick. Oh, yeah. One hour. Yeah. clock. I think that's what's doing it. Right. A one hour clock is kind of keeping it, keeping it steady and along. I don't remember being in the one hour clocks. So. uh last year too much but these 50 leagues are interesting for sure there's uh if anyone doesn't know who's listening it's um it's like a draft and hold style but for 12 teams still 50 50 rounds um you can't make a fab but you still got to set your lineups nfbc style and um last year i didn't i only played in one oc one 12 team league and i kind of enjoyed it um um so i wanted to get myself maybe into another 12 team league. And I figured doing these 12 team DC uh, like draft champion style, draft and host style 
would help prep for that as like, you know, the draft champions do for a main event or uh, online championships. Um, I feel like you guys played any of these last year. I played yeah. one. I did one fifty last year. It was towards. It was really close towards the start of the season too. So, uh, this is severely early to start getting into them. But uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. it. I think one of the main reasons it's going quicker is because it's a 12 team league as opposed to 15. I mean, just knocking off you know three teams in the draft. It's uh, it's speeding it up quite a bit. Good point. I did about 15 of them last year of these 50s. I see that. I see you came in 23rd. There's, there's, there's just you and then a whole bunch of Posma. Um, yeah. I figured I'd get into them. The yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the shrimp, shrimp boat captain. And shrimp boat, right? He, he was like eighth or something. He, he had one, he had one, he had a single or fifth. I don't know. Yeah, he was up there in the top 10 for sure. He had one bullet in the, that contest and he did really well. Yeah. Actually, I don't yeah, know where I finished the overall, but I did win my, the one league I was in. So that's good. Yeah. Right? No, I know I, I know I made money off of these 50s last year. I did not make money off of the 15, like the direct champions. So I John, think it was something about the 12s that, that I, I fared better with. Yeah, it looks like that. Uh, John, you came 146th. That's pretty good. That has been at least 2,000 entries. So that's pretty good, uh, pretty good finish there. Yeah, I, I kind of like it. Um, uh, I was in a league with Bubba and Maddie Wood. And, um, I, was in that, I was in that one. You too? Yeah, you were in that? That's, that's, that's the one we all jumped in, the, the battle pod. We, I think Mason was in it. Yes. I think. And then Chris. Just a bunch, just a bunch of hammerheads following each other around in the draft rooms. Yeah. Basically. Everyone got jealous. Everyone got jealous and we started <laughs> to beat, beat, each, beat each other up in the draft room. Yeah, absolutely. After we just done, like, you know, we knew everyone's picks. This was another thing about being in this, uh, you know, um, arena of drafting. We kind of just, you know, we know what each other's are gonna do the um like we were saying Jack Zach and our pre pre um pod chat you know the NFC transparent draft boards are there you know ADP you can look at people's priors you know draft and kind of get a, an understanding of how you know a player likes to play so all that stuff you have to uh get over in the um when you're drafting against one another especially when you're doing podcasts too right and everyone's listening to each other's podcast like i oh, this guy and this guy he you know i'm like writing notes doing uh like recon notes you know in my ipad i'm like okay this guy like this guy boom um <laughs> yeah i try to i try to i try to save like um who drafted who but then i just ended up doing too many drafts that i like my notes can't keep up with my drafting or my prep mm. can't keep up my drafting i just ended up, I, and that's probably one of your questions how you how you, how you draft and just keep ABD always be drafting. ABD baby always be drafting and just like and that way you, you you don't even have to look at the ADP. You can you can sort of feel and sense the ADP moving and you know how the market's moving. And um yeah, you um like you see how players are moving up and down. And I just I just got off recording a podcast with, with Weimer or Weimer, Weimer, Steve Weimer. Um and uh we were talking about, like, for example, Logan Webb and how he was—he was getting like he, I know you were big on him too, um, uh, and he was getting him real late in these DCs to start off with, and then he started, and then Logan Webb's ADP started to move up as things progressed in the draft season, and he he became, I guess, out on him because he didn't feel like he wanted to reach, like I guess, higher than the price he'd been previously paying, and he he regretted not moving with that market creep. Right, uh, that was what we said. 
And that's something that you can really feel as the market creep when you, when you're constantly drafting. And it's something that you have, there's an advantage to that because you can, you can, you can see it like in, like in real time, whereas other people are just looking at ADP and it's just a, yeah, so, numbers. so they're looking at numbers, but you're experiencing it. So like, cause looking at numbers on a sheet, you know, just kind of like, Ooh, but if you're, like you said, you're ingrained, like you're seeing it firsthand, it's kind of in your brain. You have like a, you know, uh, like an ADP chart just constantly flowing in your brain. Um, mm-hmm. That's yeah, I get that. And you know, and what you can see, you can, you can see the numbers on your screen but you know, those aren't true. Whereas everyone else just sees like, if, like I'm not saying everyone else, but like for somebody that's just jumping into the first draft, they're looking at the ADP and they see 226. I'm not, I know that's not 226. I know that's really like 156. Mm, so, right. And it just, just from being in drafts. Right. So, you know, like just where we're at now, especially even just looking at the screen itself and like seeing the NFBC stuff right there, you know, which can be biased. Like you said, like if you're just hopping into a draft and you're, you're not like preparing on your own, you kind of see those things right in front of you constantly like, Oh, this guy's the next man up, you know? So maybe I should take him, you know, where you should definitely be free of those thoughts as well. But um, it's funny you bring up Logan Webb. It's like, it's so funny. I just love sometimes the path that you can get to finding, you know, why you like a player. So it's like, I was working on my draft champion strategy and like, you know, um, I just, the way I felt the draft was moving well, I like to take maybe a couple pitches in the first two or three rounds. Um, and then really later on in the draft, just like take like 10 or 12 in a row after I take some guys who I found like I'm going to trust having good playing time and getting at bat and then just throwing like, you know, 10, 12 pitchers, starting guys in a row who can just, you know, where you feel like some are just a lot to get innings, some are just like upside throws. And he fell, he fell into that range. And then once I saw the range of pitchers that I kind of were going to like, all right, I'm going to be living with these guys. I started to do some dives on him and on each one of them. And then Webb was just, you know, I think I was just learning a lot more about fantasy too last year and like what more to use and what's effective and like looking at, you know, a lot of people were mentioning pitch mix changes and like trying to identify that first. And you saw how, you know, he, he, he started to do that in September in a short season. And then I was like, oh, okay, so not only is this guy in my range of players that I like, but he's going to be the guy that I make sure I try to get all the time. And then, you know, it's like you mentioned that when that price starts to creep up, you're like, man, do I, you know, do I stay with this guy? And I think a couple of drafts, even when he rose up, I stuck with him. And a couple of times, you know, it got, you know, where I didn't get a chance to because I guess another person felt the same way. So, but it's funny. I just wanted to mention that it's a, a funny evolution sometimes of like how we begin to really focus in on a player. Mm-hmm. But, um, all right. So, yeah. So um, I just wanted to get into you guys brains a little bit about, you know, you guys jump into a lot of different NFBC drafts. You do main events, you do online championships, draft champions, um, 50 leagues. So just kind of want to. And Zach, you won the auction overall this year. Um, right. For congratulations, man. That's um, pretty, pretty damn impressive. How many teams did you beat at, in the in total? I think there was like 500 approximately four between four and 500. Yeah. That's thanks, man. thanks, man. Yeah. 480. Not too mad. Not too bad. Um, it's funny. Like the, I don't know. Did you, was it really close? Did, was it like things able to swing, you know, fast or were you kind of in a good lead for at least uh, the last couple of days? 
I was, I had a good lead by, I, I felt comfortable by the last week, I would say, but it was really close. I was not leading it the whole way. I came and I overtook um, Brian Jenner was um, uh, the guy that was leading for a while. And um, I overtook him about mid season and it was sort of a back and forth battle and it was pretty close the whole, the whole way. And then a um, couple moves, a um, couple fab moves there, like, um, like getting like some of those like closers, like the Floros and the Texas guys and just picking up some of the, like the mid season closers helped me a lot. And um, Tyler O'Neill was a huge pickup for me in that league. Um, so those were some of the moves that were, that sort of pushed me ahead. And um, yeah, it was. Um, would you awesome. have, what, what would be your biggest recommendation for, um, for anyone who, who, who's playing like into an auction league who may, you know, not have played auction style. Like, you know, how, how do you, um, do you have a system for, you know, how you put a price on players? Are you kind of like flexible? Do you set like a firm price? Like, Oh, I'm getting this guy from 32 to 34. And if he goes above that, I'm, I'm out. No, I don't, I don't have, I'm not like, uh, I'm not rigid when I do the auctions. I go like, um, um, it's, I do some, I've done some football auctions and each of the auctions, I love them because I like it a lot more than the snake drafts because they're each their own story. So like mm-hmm. you could, um, I'm, I don't like, we'll get, I'm, I don't do like, like as advanced, like projections. Like I don't, I don't use projection modeling that much and I could, but mm-hmm. like, I'm, my, I would, I, I think I have a pretty like mathematical mind and, um, I don't know how that sounds, but like, I can sort of like track how these, um, how these auctions are going. So doing one auction and going to the next i know that like spending spending on the on the top players has been lower or higher so i can see i I sort of have a mental tracking of like how the money's being spending so how the money's been spent so i can sort of know where where i can expect the values come later in the draft so Mm -hmm. that's i sort of just go with the flow of the draft and i do have the play and i do have players that I, I, I will target and it's easy. It's, it's kind of easier because you know, you, you want these certain, you need to get, I want a shortstop that's going to steal bases. So I'm going to get that player. Um, and that's going to, I'm going to prioritize certain things. I need to, I need a closer. So it's not, you don't get like locked out of runs on players. You, you make sure you get those, you sort of have things in your mind that are priority priorities to you. And, um, just, um, making sure you get those things and then you fill out the rest of your draft with the best values possible. Right. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's, that, that's great advice because I feel like if you're too rigid, you know, you're just going to fall out of being paying attention to guys who are still going for great prices and just can't completely eliminate yourself from, you know, doing that. Um, yeah, I love the option. It's, it's fun because, you know, you can go with like, I'll sit there and I'll scribble like a whole bunch of like starts, you know, like let's see my team looks with six $20 guys. And I'm like, Oh, I kind of like this, you know, I could do another thing. And then you're like, but I can get Tatis, you know, and DeGrom and Cole if I really want to, you know, and then you yeah. do that math and you're like, oh, wow. Like, and then you get to the bottom of your team. You're like, nah, like, I don't know if I could do this, you know? So it's really cool to, uh, you know, when you really like, if you just like to do that, like to break it down on what it would look like maybe. And it, it's very appealing because like you said, it's an auction. You can get three $50 plays and like, yeah, this is cool. I got three so, first round so- players. The one thing I'll say about the auctions that I that I that I, that I think is valuable to mention is that if you're, uh, I think most people play like the OCs or the fifties that we're in, or even the fifteen team leagues. Where, where the where the auction is different is that you have to draft like the auction parts. You, you auction twenty three players. So you auction nine. You have to you have to buy nine pitchers 
two catchers and 12 other hitters that aren't catchers. So that would be 15 times 23, which would be calculated here, but 300 and something, right? 300, what's, what's 15 times 23? Um, it's two, 230, half of 230 is like... Uh, Do the account. Three, 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 345, 345. So okay. I, think, I, think, I think it's 345, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know. So you're, you're getting, you're, yeah. you're having, you're drafting 345 players in the player pool. Now in that 345, you're, everyone's got two catches. So right. typically a lot of those catchers, a lot of those C2s are going after the, that 345. And a right. lot of, and then you're, and then you only, you're only, the only nine pitchers get drafted. So nine times 15 is what, what's like six times 15 is 90. So 120, you got 120 pitchers. So you're only, you're only having 120 pitchers in that draft. So a lot of, and, and how it works, a lot of the relievers get, most of the relievers, if not all, even some backups get drafted. So that leaves a lot of starting pitchers to be um, left over. So it's a really, it's, it's quite a different ballgame. And if you don't, and it took me a while to realize that. So like what happens in these auctions is once the auction's over, you have the reserve rounds and the reserve rounds are littered with really, really good starting pitchers. So what's really, so do you really have to cater your, cater your draft to that? Like I remember in one of the, one of the two auctions I did, I did two of them. John Means was like a reserve round pick just because of how the, how the auction went. Right. Right. That's very interesting. And I actually heard Toby on his pod talk about him and Bubba talking about, um, he said like, he, even when there's a draft champion, some, he, he has to get past the hurdle of like, he says sometimes he, he tries to fill in his team versus the, just taking the next guy. Like even if he's going to be a reserve technically, you know, in, in round 20 or 21, instead of just like, you know, making sure you have nine pitches first and like the auction style, it's not forced in a draft champions, but John, yeah. do you um like pay attention to that? Like, are you trying to fill out your starters or do you not mind taking a guy who, you know, would technically be a bench player if he was the better player than let's just say the ninth pitcher you're about to pick? Well, I don't actually do any auctions. So uh, right. it's a little bit different for me, but um, yeah, I mean, if, if there's a if there's a player that I think in a draft champions or even like a main event or online championship that I think is is a quality bat or even like another you know quality reliever, I'll I'll definitely take you know the better player there. I won't just fill a position just to fill a position. I think um, one of the big things is usually that second catcher. I think one thing people a lot of people uh, kind of make a mistake on is they'll fill that second catcher slot just because it's the last starting slot. Mm. But the difference between that pick, whoever you take for your second catcher and the catcher you get, you know, four or five rounds later, probably isn't that big of a difference. So why don't you take the depth? You know, if there's, if there's a good player there that, you know, that you think you're going to be able to start, you know, if they have a four, four game week in the first half of the week, as opposed to somebody who has a, you know, a two or three game, why not take that bench spot, build the depth instead of just taking a second catcher before you, you know, you could before you really need to. Right. Absolutely. Totally yep. makes sense. That's the way yep. I'm feeling in this that. draft. Yeah. That's why I'm feeling in this draft right now that we're having. It's like, I, I, I see all these guys who like, I think are still going to get at bats, you know, and I'm just like, I want to take them all. Even if it's my seven, I think I just took my seventh outfielder. You know, it's because <laughs> it's like, Oh, it's Andrew McCutcheon in the 23rd round. Like, you know, Oh man, it's just, uh, yeah. I'd, I, I'd rather go for those guys. Or I think that's still going to be, truly effective, you know, first and filling in a starter per se on the team. Um, especially, um, in the, especially in draft and holds because right. with no pickups, I mean, you know, that every team's going to have injuries throughout the year. Right. 
um, or in some cases, a, a suspension here and there. Um, so d- depth is very important. I mean, it's that that last or that first bench spot that you draft is very important. Um, right. I remember last year, one of my main guys I was really targeting was Jazz Chisel. Um, I like dual eligibility. I thought he had like 15, 15 upside. And obviously he was a little better than that. Um, so I'll take that. But he was like my, my big target. And I took him a lot of places before I took my second catcher. And he was my first bench player. He was always my first, like once that 23rd, 24th round hit, that was my guy. Like every, every draft, bam. What'd you see? What'd you see in him that you liked a lot? I just, I saw dual eligibility and I saw the possibility of um, a a home run speed combo. Like that was what, uh, that's usually what I was kind of targeting there was was some upside. Now, obviously he hadn't, hadn't really performed as, as, you know, as well as we thought, but if Miami saw something in him and trade Zach Allen for him, I yeah, I think gonna, I think the consensus it. everyone had was they they kind of knew that was there, but they were like, oh, but swing and miss, but swing and miss, you know, the same thing to say about, about Javi Baez. And I think we kind of like under I think we kind of um, take swing and miss and strike out a little too much into account when we're evaluating players like everyone. There's a lot of people who swing and miss, you know, it's, it's, it's there. It's obvious. The, the game has changed. The game, yeah, the game has changed. changed. Right. I mean, 100%. If you look at the 80th percentile in, you know, batting average this, this past year from, you know, compared to like five years ago, a 260 hitters. Now that's, that's almost an 80th percentile hitter. That's crazy. Right. Right. That's what, yeah, the draft champions, that's what it was, about 80th percent. It was like 262 this year. That's, you know, and that's for DCs. Uh, but, yeah, I, I totally, totally agree with that. Um, I just feel like, you know, there's there's some guy that uh, I feel like certain players knock down too much because, you know, they have too much, you know, swing and mess in their profile. But, um, you know, they still hit the ball hard when do it. They still, like, you know, probably Baez is, is, is easy to bring up, but, you know, he – you know, knock them all you want, but when you do 32 and 15, I think people are just going to keep taking you, you know, <laughs> it's as simple yeah. as that. <laughs> um, but um, John, tell, talk to me about um, while you're in this draft, like, are you doing anything to like track your stats? Or is there's like something you're trying to achieve, uh, like a certain, you know, certain amount of homers, um, certain amount of at-bats? Or is that something you game plan for? Um, not necessarily in the fifties. Um I'm just kind of having fun with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of, kind of taking players that I really like at this moment and just kind of seeing how things fall. Um, draft champions leagues, I definitely, uh, I track. Um, I use rotowire projections is what I use to track. Um, I kind of, uh, nothing against the other projection systems. They're just a little bit too conservative, I guess. Okay. Um, I feel, I kind of feel like rotowire projections are a little more, likely to happen i guess is the is the is the way i'd put it mm-hmm. um so yeah i'll, I'll uh, i have a spreadsheet where i just I, I fill in the players i don't track other teams i don't like i'm not really really too concerned about like how i'm stacking up against the rest of the league i'm trying to you know we're, we're all kind of playing for that overall right when you do a right. draft champions or a main event or online championship or even the 50s i mean there's an there's an overall prize in this too um so I'm, I'm always trying to, you know, just try, I'm not necessarily trying to hit the 80th percentile, but I'm just trying to make sure that it's in the, it's within the range of outcomes for all, for all the stats, especially stolen bases, saved, those kinds of things. Okay. So the, yeah. So there's certain categories that you may be just 
you know, pressing a little more of the issue of I, I should hopefully get to this. Like I need to get to this area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially those two saves and saves and steals with no pickups again. I mean, this is, this is like a, this is a major point for me in, in these leagues with no pickups, I will take a, I will take one of the sure closers as early as I can for the most part. Yeah. I just, I, I just feel safe. I just feel safe. I understand. I wouldn't go nuts. Like some people have with, second round second round closers that's that's getting a little wild uh that's a little bit too high of a price for me but fourth round fourth round is like the sweet spot for me in a 15 league uh 15 team league for to lock in one of my closers right absolutely that's that's such a good point too because i um i had a team that was 13th overall in draft champions and out of the 39,600 points i had i only got 600 points from saves, you know, I was so far at the bottom and that was just from leaning on Jordan Hicks and Trevor Rosenthal. But, um, you know, it's, it, it creeps into my mind because like, I remember specifically every week I had like guys like sitting, um, guys like Austin Hayes and Michael Brantley, I had picked so much, you know, decent playing time guys that I was like, man, I, I wish I could be just sitting one of these guys right now in favor of, like you said, a lockdown closer who could have brought me closer, you know, to the the overall. But it's, um, you know, it's one of those things like you just look back and you're like, you know, I just noticed too, like Tyler Young, Tyler Young, I don't know how to say his last name, but he came 31st overall um, in, in, in draft champions and he only had 11 11 points um for saves so i don't think he had any he didn't have one and i didn't get a chance to look at the roster and see like did he not just draft any any relief pitches it's just it was it was interesting that you could finish that high too without getting a save yeah i mean he probably killed all the he probably killed all the um wins and k's he probably started i had played nine starters the whole time yeah, it, it was it's it was pretty well balanced all the way also around. You know, it's it was just it was just fascinating to see that you know to come up that high without really uh, with getting zero saves from your team. You know, so, interesting. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and that's impressive, but that's also really, really, really hard to do. I mean, when you're competing <laughs> right. against thousands of teams, I mean, it's it's very hard to be in the, you know, 90, what does he have to be like, 94th, 95th percentile of all the other categories? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that pretty close. Save. Right. And he wasn't in, in, in average. Average was pretty middle of the pack, but he still uh, slammed everything else. Was, uh, but it's cool. It's just, you know, it's cool to look at. I'll, stuff take, like I'll have to take a look at that team. That's, that's pretty impressive, Rob, though. Like 13th and 1st, like in that big of, of field. And I think that's something that's gone on a little bit under, under the radar is you um, you won it last year and you got 13th this year and the field's in, enormous. So that's pretty good. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I was lucky to have four I have four teams in the top 100. Um, and two of those teams actually was in second place in the actual league. Just just wild when that happens, too. And, you know, had like 120 point teams that didn't finish in first. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's just one of those where you want to pull your hair out. But, you know, I know. Still, still got to, you know, that happens. That's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, um, no, hopefully it's just stay stay in this lane with the uh, draft champion seems to be something that uh, I, you know, I pick up pretty well, but you know, this is, 
this is a very humbling sport. So you know how, you know, it's going to, you know, this year I'll finish in the bottom percentile of all the leagues and no one will listen to the podcast. But I'll keep getting guys like you on <laughs> who will remain successful for sure. But Dak, do you do anything during the draft to like keep track of your stats or how are you how are you tracking a target or anything like that? So these ones this early no. Um uh, not even the, not even really the draft champions or the fifties. I'm basically looking to like I'm, fe- I'm I'm feeling it out and I'm looking to get players I think that are undervalued right now. Um, but soon I will. Um, I'll um, I have a spreadsheet where I I um, I will do. Um, I'll, I'll plug in like my pl- I'll plug in players and I'll sort of um, I'll plug in the players as I go and I'll track the I'll track my stats and before the, before the draft, I'll sort of do trial and error instead of, instead of like, I, I guess some people like um, have software where they use uh, SGP and they'll uh, say, this is the optimal choice. I'll sort of like back into it the other way where I'll do trial and error. Like, okay, if I take a shortstop in the second round, what happens? And, and I replace that with a pitcher, what happens? So what sort of, it's sort of like trial and error of like, what's the optimal way of doing things. And it's in a way quicker because I'm not, I'm, I'm not really focusing on players that I've just sort of like crossed off my list, like Mondesi, whatever. Like I don't have to, I don't have to deal with that. I'm just looking at the players that I sort of, I think are good. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you know, I, I kind of like that. I think, I think just, just, just by like kind of seeing, all right, if I take a shortstop in the second round and it's outfield and 10th, is it better than taking it outfield in the 10th and this shortstop, whatever, you know, I think getting, getting those uh, bull points, you know, kind of ironed out in your head definitely makes for less, uh, you know, anxiety filled picks per se, if you're just not ready or you're studying on the fly, you know, of the draft. So um, that's interesting. I, I feel like, was, I did that, yeah, I did, I did that last year. And one thing I learned was like, um, you look at you look at your projections and you're like, well, um, and, and you use whatever projection system you're using. You're like, well, like this says I'm going to be in tenth place, but like really, like this projection system's fucked. Like, like TJ Anton's going to be like 200, 200 strikeouts and like amazing. But you sort of like wish you sort of wish cast your own players that you like to like projections that are unreasonable. And in these like draft and hold leagues, I've learned that like you need to like like if you're using projections, you need to just get those you need to project based on the safe players that you've drafted anything else is icing on the cake don't use the icing as part of the cake is basically what i'm saying um and that, that and that's and i think i believe that's the, one of the one of the shortcomings i had last year in these draft champions leagues i was using the icing um as part of the inside of the cake where the icing should be on top of the cake <laughs> i got it so like uh maybe i'm wrong but like maybe what you th- and this is not to bring up Kelnick for you. Oh, I knew just, you're not. I yeah, know that's fine. I thought, no, I but that's that's the right. thing, right? Yeah. You were probably saying, "Oh, but if I get this guy, this is what my team will look like." And, and instead of just saying, you know, let me just get ten ten, and, and everything else will will be kind of awesome. Yeah, I I, so I sort of led myself to the false illusion that like if I drafted Kalanick at pick two hundred and he busted, it's like even though I'm I'm putting icing in the cake, I have. Part, I, have, I have cake lake that I'm going to get later on in Jason Hayward, but guess what? Jason Jason Hayward's gone bad. He's stale. You can't put. You can't use that part of your cake. He's yeah. he's not cake. He's not cake. Yeah. He's he's garbage. Yeah, they you, don't eat, you don't want to. Yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to eat garbage. No, no, that's like bad <laughs> Monsanto 
sugar like <laughs> that's in Jason Hayward. That's not even good stuff. That's just yeah, garbage, <laughs> garbage nutrition. Okay. I love it. I love, I love people are going to learn a lot when they listen to the icing on the cake and the icing in the cake a hundred percent. I love it. Um, so yeah. you mentioned like a projection. I know earlier you said, you know, you kind of don't use them too much or, you know, maybe not at all, but like for both of you guys on deck, if you want to go first, you know, how do you evaluate these players when you're getting into draft? Like, what are you using as your ranking system? Um, sorry, my, my, my earphones are about to cut out there, but um, I might have to switch to headphones in a second. Um, okay. But no, I can, I, I'll, I'll answer the question now. Um, I'm sort of looking like, I don't really have like a ranking system. I, I have tier. I usually, I usually have tiers and okay. being in so many, being in so many drafts, I will generally have players that I rank above other players, like my, my pitchers, but I will try to like, I, I'll try to like diversify the cup first couple rounds. Um, but if I'm really making a decision, if I have to make a decision later, um, if I'm in like a main event or something, I'll, um, I'll, I'll use, I guess the projections, but I'll, I'll, I'll um, sort of, massage the projections based on other things I look at. Like I look at a number of like, I, 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 I'll dive deep on, on certain players. Look at their, mm-hmm. that, like, obviously this just the normal stuff like Babbitt, like if their Babbitt was um, extreme in either direction, then I'll also sort of move that away or anything else that like their, their batting average on shifts, something that there was a, like abnormal, I'll, um, I'll adjust the player and, and sort of move them around based on that. And, um, um, yeah, yeah, I that's, think that's that's, I, a, that's, an, I, that's an example for hitters. No, yeah, no, that's good because I feel like um, you know, if, if if you tried to put too exact of a number on someone, but you like you know your math is wrong or you just really can't get there, and then that trying to do all that work can be disastrous. Maybe for a guy like Phil, it wasn't so difficult, and he can figure that out. For us, you know, for me at least, I you know speak to myself, I I can't do that so i'm like you like if there's a specific metric i look at um i kind of like in my brain make a couple of notes or just you know make a note in my notepad like this is what i like about a certain guy or whatever you know just try to make um little adjustments on the fly like that or for basic adjustment um like a projection like using steamer and then just using you know skills uh and metrics that i've you know just trusted over the years through either baseball hq or stuff you can find fan graphs you know and um so yeah i know i can't put that specific number on a player and say you know but i like those ranges like you said like i like to get as close as possible but not too married to like one number and say these are x amount of guys and flexible and you know and liking to have in this in this specific range you know yeah john what do you uh like to do yeah, so I mean, I'm very similar with Babbitt. Um, uh, with pitchers, it's for pitchers with me. It's it's uh, K percent, K minus walk. I don't want to. I just don't want guys that walk guys. Um, if you're walking guys and you're not striking out guys, you're really you're kind of subjecting yourself to um, maybe some blowups mm-hmm. uh, with some Babbitt luck, bad Babbitt luck. Um, so I mean, that's, that's one of the main things I look for with pitchers, um, Babbitt, obviously for both, um, especially, especially for hitters. I mean, you could see like Brian Reynolds in the shortened season had a terrible Babbitt, but he was, you know, he was good. Like mm-hmm. he fell so far in drafts and, in uh, for 2021, 
and he was fantastic, even on the Pirates. Um, hard hit percent, I like to look at that. I like to look at the hard hit, uh, the, the metrics on baseball savant for, for hitters. Um, I really like to look at those. Um, but, yeah, other than that, it's just, uh, you know, p- position tiers as well, uh, kind of what Zach was mentioning earlier. That's that's kind of where it, that's kind of draft strategy, especially in the early rounds, um, is is just massive. Right. If you have if you have if you have interposition rankings, I think it's I I, I think that's a mistake. Like I can't rank like catchers within, or I can't rank pitchers and and hitters together. Mm, okay. I think I and you have, like you have to go with you have to go with what you need in the draft. I believe. Yeah, I don't. I don't really use any uh, rankings at all. Um, it rank rankings don't mean anything because you might not. Okay, I might have somebody rank four spots higher, but what if I don't need that? What if I'm so far ahead in that category? Like, what if I address stolen bases in my first four rounds, and all of a sudden I'm in round five and I got another hitter that's way up high, way higher ranked? But I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't need that. You know, the, those sources essentially. And so yeah, I don't. I don't use rankings at all. So you guys just do your own research, basically, right? You know, you're taking. Yeah, yeah like taking I'll, do, I'll, I'll do honest. I'll do like random things and just uh, just I'll experiment on different metrics to see if they if they're if they're making any sense. Like for example, the first thing I did this year was I I went to Savant and I looked at everything all the all the batted balls between ten and fifty, the launch angle between ten and fifty that were over hundred miles an hour at velocity. I said. And I did a pivot table and I said, how many of these are home runs? How many of these were hits and how many of these were outs? So I want to see who was getting unlucky and, and lucky last year. And um, so that's just, and, and you know what, like you're not going to draw any massive conclusions from it, but like, it, that could lead you to, to um, investigate something more. So I, I saw, hmm. uh, I think, I think I'm trying to remember, I don't have it in front of me, but I think like Christian Yellick was extremely unlucky. Like, like a, a high percentage of his, like, like, I guess, 10 to 10 to 50, 10 to 50 launch angle over hundred mile an hour. We're, we're, we're not hits. So for whatever reason, you can go and look at the videos, which I haven't done yet, but like that would, that's something that I would look at. And, and other guys had like 80% of them were hits. So that's something that, um, th- and that, that's sort of like it, it, it's in the same family as Babbitt, but that's just something a little bit above and beyond that I looked at and to see if it makes any sense. So I'll look at stuff like that. Oftentimes it's a waste of time, but sometimes it'll it'll lead you down a hole where it could be useful. Right. No, I think that totally makes sense because sometimes uh, you'll find something just out of looking at something else. And like, uh, even if you get to that whole end of that 10 to 50 range and you're like, I didn't think I really learned anything, but it led you down to something else it kind of, you did learn something, you know, you found something else off of that, you know, that you wouldn't have, but I've seen you doing some, uh, you know, throwing out some filters on your tweets out there. So I see you're digging in. Yep. Yep. I'll keep, I'll keep doing that. So I'll, I'll keep, some, some, some things are just a waste of time, but some things, you know, you never know, like um, you never know what you'll find. Right. Right. You don't know what you find. And I think that's, you no, know, that's really, that's really something that's a good practice, just like just filtering skills, you know, like who knows, you know, it's just, I think that's actually one thing um, 
I know you just had uh, Steve Weimer on your podcast, but last year when he was online, you know, he brought up like some random, you know, filter that he was doing on Alex Chamberlain's leaderboard for batters. And it brought him to like all these hitters and then Anthony Santander, like who didn't fit. And I'm like, oh man, I'm like, that's a great idea. Like, you know, like, and even if the filters are not really ones that lead to like oh that that means this guy is a you know 120 rc player like wrc plus players just uh kind of seeing maybe players who belong like who are in groups that you think oh wow like i didn't expect this name to be here so it's just a good practice i think it's uh it's something good yeah to do. even though santander didn't really work out last year i know, I know what i just listened to that episode before i had steve on so i just i, I listened to it um right. just to so I wouldn't double up on any questions or trying to try to keep it fresh. But I, I listened, I remember, I remember just, I listened to that today about Santander and, and some of the stuff I looked at last year was just like um, um, uh, exit velocity on ground balls that were outs and, and not outs. And one of the things I saw last year was like Max Kepler got extremely unlucky on like he, like his hard hit, like his hard hit, like ground balls that were not just like batted to the ground, just like not mm. that had a, a somewhat, a somewhat of a, a good uh, launch angle, but not just, he got extremely unlucky and it turned out that he didn't really have a good year that last year. So it didn't, it didn't really, um, it didn't really translate, but it's going to, but, it, but that's something that sticks out to me that he got unlucky in the short season and uh, he didn't have a good year last year, give or take, but I, I'm going to, I'm, he's a guy that I'm interested in to see if there's more to him. Right. I totally agree. And, and yeah, and Santander, I don't know. He just was hurt. He seemed like you were just battling a leg injury all year. Cause um, I don't know. I know his sprint speed was down like almost a full second for, from not like he's super fast guy, but you know, his ankle and hamstring, I think was definitely bothered him. And it would be in a switch hitter probably from, I, I think one side he said was hurting him a little more. So who knows, man, it's just so many things that, uh, you you mentioned having a secretary to set your lineups. You almost sound like a secretary to just like, hey, check this guy's Instagram, check his Facebook. Let me know what <laughs> yeah. what is he eating. Okay, when does he work out? Does he have pets? I need to know all of this. Okay, That's I want to see shirt. I want I want to see shirtless pictures to see if he's in shape. <laughs> is he ripped? Is he ripped? Does he, does he have tattoos? Do you have old. <laughs> I, I honestly like that that's actually forget all these advanced stats that's what turned me on to Ketel Marte um back when he was in, in his breakout season right. I'm like this guy's this guy like he was listed at like 160 this guy's like 200 this guy's jacked and he had a great season so, so that's it, why you like Tyler O'Neill as well huh yeah, yeah. And, he's Can- and he's Canadian is he yeah he is interesting mm-hmm. interesting so he is he's is he the best did he take over Votto as the best Canadian player? Well, not yet. Well, he's probably being drafted the highest out of any Canadian player. Oh, yeah. So I mean, right now he is for sure. But that I, th- I, I think so. Unless there's other Canadian, I'm not uh, thinking about. Votto, uh, Votto is a legend, though. Votto, yeah. Votto's, um, yeah. You see, yeah. Votto is um, from from right around where I live, and he's exact same age as me. So, didn't, never, never, never knew him, but. Don't give up the dream. You can do it. No, I, I can meet. I can meet him one day. I, I can meet him one day. <laughs> All right. So, um, talk to me about how you guys use ADP. Do you like you know you get like a decent amount of information? You're looking at what other players are doing. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you want to know it maybe just to have an idea of where the players you like. 
Uh, but you know how you know do you use it to be super aggressive do you use it to you know kind of like wait as long as you can to maybe draft that sleeper that you like john what do you like to do yeah i mean once once there's adp to, uh, established yeah absolutely i like to use it um it helps me like if i'm on a guy that i really like um a little bit later it helps me okay i can I can get him. Let's say the guy's going in the eighth round. Okay. I can get him. If I really like him, I can usually get him in the sixth or I can, you know, usually get him in the seventh. So I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll use ADP. Um, of course, uh, to my advantage. Um, I don't, I don't swear by it though. Like it's not like, okay, this guy's going in the eighth round. Okay. Excellent. I can get him in the eighth round. It's, it's, it's a dangerous game to play. Right. Uh, right. You it's can wait too to long. Know. Right. Like, Especially when it comes to the yeah. main event. Right, right, you hundred percent. Yeah, the main event is a is a smack in the face if you're expecting those numbers to actually happen. That's what happened in my first main event in the short season. You know, I I I, I like I looked at the list and I was like, right, I'm gonna set the min on Castellanos. I think I remember the play. I'm gonna go set the min on Castellanos on Lance Lynn, and boom, Castellanos like seven picks before I was gonna set the min pick. Someone said it, and I was like, and then Lance Lynn, same fucking you know, thing. And I was do like, you know who? Do you know who took, who took Lance Lynn? That was me. Yeah, that was you, right? Yeah, yeah, it was you, and I think Castellanos was. Uh, uh maybe silver or somebody it was like okay and that's why i knew i was like oh, this this isn't like normal fantasy leagues you know <laughs> but uh it's good to experience that you know because um you know i kind of i got rattled in the middle of the draft you know it, you're you're online you're not even there but i'm just like where do next you know like you're like fumbling to make that next pick and um, I thought I was prepared, but at that moment where you kind of think like something's going to be so given for you and no, like a big elephant falls on your head and you're like, what the fuck has happened? You know, my whole this, strategy just <laughs> went out the window. This, well, this got, happens I, to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> including me, including me. I got yeah. screwed. I got, I think I was, I was terrible in that. That was my first main event too. I, I did terrible that in that league. Um, I don't even know what the fuck happened in that league, but um, um, yeah. But you know what? You know what happened? Phil was in our league. He won it. Phil was in our league. Silver was in our league. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Gecko was in it. Was Gecko in yep. it too? Yeah. yeah. I think Phil won. I think Gecko was probably second, if I believe yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. And yeah, that was the short season. Gecko. I think Gecko had some really good pickups. Phil was being Phil. Um, Phil being right. Phil. I mean, what more can we say? I mean, right? I mean, what a year like Phil. <laughs> I think like if everyone if anyone can experience a year like that and just master every league and every format and just cash in every single league, I mean, God bless him. Like it's just uh, it's it's just it's just just to see it unfold and, and just be like, I know it's probably impossible but like that's attainable you know like if you want to work hard enough and you consistently do something well you know just to know that you know like someone i know did it you know it's like oh wow like it makes you dream a little bit at least uh probably a far dream but you know god bless him it was a really awesome year um i think he said he's gonna buy himself a washing machine he needs a new washing machine god bless him oh yeah yeah it's a crazy good year man it's crazy yeah, I seen some people arguing, you know, 
which with the best NFBC year ever. You know, There's no argument. I know. I don't think there is one either because if you look at the, I think they were comparing like the Lindy, which was amazing, but like just the, I think the OC itself was a difference of like over fifteen hundred teams, right? I know. Yeah, yeah, far less teams in both in both events, but yeah, that was yeah. Lindy. Lindy's accomplishment was still amazing. I mean, oh, absolutely. When the Rob, overall, when, when someone when somebody OC. says it's even an argument with Phil having the best year ever, it it triggers me. Okay, I get triggered. <laughs> I get triggered. Rob, like it's giving me anxiety. It's triggering me when somebody says this might not be the best year ever. Like I don't even know why they post that. Like I gotta yeah. like, like yeah. I gotta I, I gotta like block and mute them. I, like I don't know, just terrible. Hundred percent like that. I, yeah. I, I yeah um yeah. It, it, I totally <laughs> same <laughs> way because I mean there's an article on Sports Illustrated and the score. You know, yeah, tons of. Uh, Tons of people reached out to Phil like he was Robbie Ray. So I think he did something really phenomenal. But <laughs> um, all right. So tell me how you guys like to um, fab. Um, I know every, you know, every league is going to be a little different, but are you, you know, how would you, how did you do this year? Were you guys kind of aggressive? You know, I don't know if you could point out maybe like a guy like the, you, you really would, you know, like, I can't believe I spent this much money on, or maybe even a cheaper guy who like, I can't believe this did this well for me. Um, Zach, why don't you go first? What did you, do you like to keep some money around too? I guess that's my other question. Like, I want to, uh, like, how do you like to say, like, especially in the main event, I want to keep X amount for this, you know, last month or so. Is that something that's on your mind? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You got to look at, uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think I was pretty good in terms of just like overall, like, managing the fab this year just um, seeing what everyone else is spending in the league and and knowing that it's sort of like it it, it doesn't move on a straight line it, it sort of moves like um y- you won't need as much later obviously because people have spent their money so um yeah like when it comes to the last month i wanted like um like 60 bucks left mm-hmm. 60 bucks is like my maybe a rough amount that i wanted left the first september which is pretty good um in terms of like a player that I blew my budget on was Merriweather at the beginning. I just thought yeah. like, you sort of got to, you sort of got to go with your gut. And um, I, I think that like the 15s and 12s are so much different in the fab because there's not much in the 15. So you really got to make sure that you have like a, a, like a consistent budget you can spend on players when you just need to fill up those gaps. Whereas like the 12s um, I've just by looking just by talking to other people, like when I had the guilds on mine and I talked to, to Steve, just looking at their fab bidding, like especially in the OCs or 12 teams, there's so many good players that become available the first and second week. People drop players like Austin Riley and like, O'Neal. Trevor, Trevor O'Neill, Trevor Rogers, yeah. Logan Webb. It's right. just like spending spending up in those 12 teamers on those like different make difference makers is I think the I think is a smart thing to do. Whereas I think you have to be more um, prudent with your money in the 15 team leagues. Um, and not like I spent money on Merriweather. I just, I thought he'd be the closer. I was desperate for saves because of Trevor Rosenthal fucked me in both my main events. So I was, um, on, I guess on tilt, I guess is the word. And I just spent a lot of money on Merriweather because I felt comfortable with him, but that didn't work out. I had a hard time. It was my first time playing OCs and I had a hard time. I have, I think, harder time distinguishing between the replacement level for the 12 teamers and like i don't know do well i do better with like looking at that guy like Derek hill who might have a good 
Monday to Thursday, but I couldn't choose between two better players, really, in general, and a 12th team. I got to get better than that. And then plus, I held on to guys too long. I, I held on to, like, Ian Happ for, like, way too long. Where, like, in a 15, it's like, no, it's still worth just in case he turns it around. But in a 12, it's more like, you know, you got to get rid of that guy and get some guys in there. I did pretty well with paying up for saves early on, too, especially, like, uh, I think Reyes and Class A became available early, and I was pretty aggressive on getting them. But in terms of bats, I don't think I handled that um, very well. And in terms of the big bidding, I didn't go for a, May, uh, a Merriweather, but the two most expensive guys that paid for was Manoa in the main event, which was well worth it. It was worth every, I think, 280 bucks I spent. And the other guy was Jimenez, who, you know, wasn't special, but – it was cool that I didn't think I was going to win him because it was guys in my league who had way more money than me. So my bid wasn't like I wanted to get him, but I, I wasn't expecting to, um, even though he was him, him, like, Jimenez. Why, why am I blanking on that? Eloy. Oh, yo, Eli. Okay. Yeah. Jimenez. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know why I was talking. I was thinking of Andres Jimenez and I was thinking of Joe Jimenez. I don't know why I wasn't thinking of Eloy. <laughs> Joe. It just wasn't, yeah. it just wasn't, wasn't registering. I don't know what was wrong. What's wrong with but yeah, you know, listen. A lot of people think of Joe first. You know, he he scarred many a uh, <laughs> a fantasy player in his day, <laughs> and it's still like you know, you still look at the bullpen and you're like, oh, Soto and Fulmer. But what if Jimenez finds it? You know, somehow he still creeps <laughs> into your brain. And it's like, get away, man! You stink. You've been stinking for uh, so long, you know. But um, yeah, John, how 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 will you explain your fab? Um, usage and you know what kind of strategy do you have for your end games? Uh, well, I guess it's it's completely dependent on my team need. I mean, if I draft the way I want to draft, where I'm pretty well rounded, I feel like I don't need to break the bank early for you know for any anything really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so and that's this is kind of a, a, a kind of funny. Uh, so my main event, I kind of waited on closer and I got Hector Neris in the 11th, which obviously he wasn't great. Um, but I did get Ian Kennedy in the 21st and class a in the 25th. So as I mean, I was kind of expecting to have to spend my fab money on a closer, but after, you know, those kind of, those guys kind of worked out a little bit. I was like, okay, well, I don't really need to break the bank now on a closer. Um, unfortunately I, uh, I'm always seems like I'm always terrible at fab. So uh, I didn't have any, I didn't have any real big hits. I mean, I think Lane Thomas was one of my bigger hits. Uh, oh, that's a great hit. Season. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I just, my main events the last couple of years, I've just been stuck right in the middle, right in the middle of the standings, like not mm. terrible, not great. It's just like, just right in the middle, like <laughs> just the worst place to be. Um, right. But I did uh, pick up, thanks to, I believe it was thanks to Zach, um, Mark Melanson in the Tag Team League. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Mark. It's so crazy. Once you bring up Mark Melanson, it's like he just went, um, I don't know, like 150th, 160th overall in this, in this OC, right? If, if, yeah. he had, if he had Padres, if he was signed right now, right, where does he go? 80 90 100 yeah he go he goes way earlier for so sure. that but he, yeah. i mean most likely he's going either going back or going somewhere i mean he has led the league and saves with 39 like he's gonna be the closer somewhere right yeah you think yeah. so I, 
I, th- I think a lot of people are nervous about because he doesn't have the high strikeout numbers. Right, but right, right. The thing, the thing is, with some of these closers, like Melanson, this like this past year wasn't just his only good year closing. Like he's been a very, very good closer back back in his days with Pittsburgh. Uh, he was good with the Giants, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously with the Braves, then Padres. I mean, some guys are just built for the ninth inning. Like that's just what it comes down to. Like it, they're not, you know nervous about the moment or you know they're not he's not out there walking guys like that's always the you know the killer is when you start walking guys as a closer um, right yeah he doesn't have the huge strikeout numbers but i think i think uh being they're, able they're to good enough creating yeah, creating right. and creating weak contact is a skill i think that's a skill so absolutely yeah i, I don't know it's just strange i mean just like that whole dynamic because i figure like, if he had a team attached to him right now no way he's going 160 Overall, but it was kind of what happened last year. Everyone thinks that you know it was Pagan or it wasn't Camping Camping Lansing because, like you said, he closed everywhere else. But a lot of people were turned off to that. Like it, it wouldn't be him. But John, you mentioned the tag team league, and we all were in, involved in that league. Um, Zach and Curland uh, won by half point over me and Jenny. But I wanted to ask you guys, like, how how do you you know how do you like playing with a teammate you know is just something you've done before and like you know walk me through like some of the things you know that you you know that maybe um is not normally a part of your process i guess and is it easier do you think it's easier or is it harder uh i think the draft is definitely harder um you know it's not a slow draft so you know it's it's on the fly um you know you can prepare all you want right with your with your partner but all of a sudden, first... you're on the clock and the, the clock is ticking and right. you're still talking about it. You know, you, and that was our first fast you... draft, right, John? That was the first I, fast I, th- I think so. Yeah, that was the first fast draft after we did all these draft champions. So, like you said, you know, John, it, 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 it's not something you can just talk through for a couple of hours or whatever. We, you know, sat there and we blast. I think a, a couple of people timed out, even though they said they had computer problems. Uh, I think they were just timing out because they wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, for exactly. you know, that's for a private conversation, maybe. But anyway, uh, but guys, yeah, sorry, John, just talking about how. Yeah, no, I was just saying, and you know, the draft is the draft is definitely more challenging um, with a partner. Um, I do think that Fab is a little bit easier, um, just because you know you got the whole week to kind of talk things over. You can mm. put guys over there. You know, I, I was putting guys over, and you know, um, my draft partner Ryan was putting guys over and then we would talk on Sunday like kind of like you know w- why did you put him over there like you know let's see how he's doing you know anybody I told him like basically throughout the whole week I'm like anybody you see you have any kind of interest in I don't care if it's just one percent interest put him over there put right. him over there and we'll we'll look at it at the end of the week we'll we'll talk it see if he's somebody that you know is a good fit for our team or not but yeah, it, I think uh, it's it's awesome. I think I think especially the the tag team, the fact that everybody has a partner, we're all kind of going through the same, you know, same trials and tribulations. I think it's but, great. Yeah, that, and, and it was a very competitive league. There was so much sandwiching in the middle. You know, I think ten teams have had over eighty points. You know, like it was, it's just so consistently packed. The week, you know, even the end of the last three or four weeks were just so crazy with the amount of points that were just swinging, you know, back and forth, you go up eight and down eight. And I was like, can't believe we just lost eight points. It's week 22, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't yeah. expect all that it's to crazy. happen in one week, but you know, it was awesome. And I actually, I actually think that 
the drafting with me and Jenny was easier and the fab was harder. And I don't know if it's just because it was like a time thing. I had more time to think about it. And I'm like, why do you like this player this weekend? You know, I don't know, but I feel like the draft was a lot easier for me in terms of like coming to a consensus on someone. I don't know if that's just because of the time allotment, but, but it was fun. Jack, um, you guys won, you and Curlin won. And um, word, word on the street is that, you know, you, you pulled weight on the team. Well, I think he, yeah, I think he, Curlin has told everyone he sort of uh, <laughs> stopped, uh, <laughs> just stopped uh, doing fantasy for a while um, in the middle. <laughs> he's just, he's like, he, I'm like, what's up? He's like, I don't, I don't fantasy anymore. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I know that never happened, but um, no, what he I did. Don't um, fantasy anymore. Like, I don't do fantasy. Um, but no, we, the draft, obviously the draft we were together and, um, we had, we had a plan for the first couple rounds. And then like after the first couple rounds, we didn't plan enough. So it was, it got a little bit difficult. And then, um, he, um, he went onto the live stream and started saying, this is not a curling team. This is not a curling team. And he <laughs> flustered, flustered. And then, uh, but then the, the draft was okay. And then we, we fab, and then we were, we, we, we talked about fab for the first, um, maybe month and then, um, whatever and then i took it from there (laughs) did you know i don't know if you noticed but did you know that the point that you ended up at 107 was your highest that you were the whole year i did not know that yeah you at 105.5 which is in week 10 but you didn't have another week where you eclipsed 107 so where you ended up was your highest all year and me and jenny too like the first two weeks which is different because everything's haywire we had like 122 112 but we didn't have another week as high as the week we ended up at until the last week. So like I said, we had in week 25, we had 99 and a half points and then we gained seven points, you know, in, in two weeks and you guys too, you gained four points um, in two weeks. And it's, it's, it's just wild just to, um, I actually just saw that now as I'm looking at the, um, at the league from last year, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. You saved the best for last for sure. You made that nice run at the end. It's funny that team had nothing like just looking back on it. It had nothing like spectacular. Like we 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 fab like Adolis Garcia was like a helpful fab piece, but we dropped Melanson. I I dropped I had so man like I, I'm just looking back. I dropped Mark Melanson right away. Uh, I had Logan Webb. I dro- I dropped him. I had Luis Garcia. Houston Astros dropped him. Um, I don't know what the fuck happened in that league. Like um, I don't even. I, I honestly can't even like just looking back on those those items like how how did we win that league i don't know but like it was just a very competitive tight league uh just 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 scrapping for saves um just um just getting players like that we're gonna play in certain weeks it was just it was basically a grind yeah the best best part about the tag team league was like everybody was into it the entire year you know you didn't have teams that quit like you know, like, you know, Maddie Wood and uh, Siege, they had their side bet. And even though both their teams, like, obviously, you know, finished towards the bottom, they were both, like, obviously into it because they had their side bet. And it was just, uh, you know, nobody, any kind of a league like that where everybody kind of knows everybody, you don't want, uh, you want to be competitive, right? Like, you doesn't, like, you're still battling, you're, you're scratching, you're clawing down at the, even if you're down at the bottom of the standings, you're trying to just gain a you know, gained a couple points here and there. So right. I, had, I had a lot of fun. It was one of my favorite leagues that we did last year. 
Yeah, Absolutely. because you know you're, you know everyone. You're like they're all like your buddies that you want to you want to be you want to beat your buddies, and it's and you know everyone better, so it's, it makes it more fun. Yeah. No, yeah, it was it was it was a load of fun, and like you said, John, you know, I think Maddie Wood was even uh, he had a couple of tweets where he was like, I'm I'm still out here trying to you know trying to put up points. You know, it's like, hey, I think I think that's definitely a great point. Like, uh, you don't want to show everyone that. You know, and 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 I think that this it's it, it's one of a part of a deeper discussion too. When when we talk about, you know, there was a lot of discussion like, oh, you know, if you if you if you're uh, if you're repeatedly bad in a fantasy league as an analyst, you know, should people still listen to your stuff or whatever like that? But I think to me is the thing is like, if I noticed if I'm in a couple leagues with you and you quit in June or you don't make fab after June, that says more to me about you as a player than any standing thing. Cause standings can happen. Right. You know, so, like, so like, like curling. Well, yeah. I mean, if you put it that way, I didn't know he, you know, just stopped fabbing or stopped, you know, but yeah, I mean, I feel like if, if you're, and, and I'm talking about a repeated thing, not just one week is I'm just, I'm just, but I had those low hanging fruit. I had to, yeah. <laughs> oh, Mike, we love you. He's, I love Mike. Obviously, yeah. he's a good boy. Mike's a good boy for sure. Um, I have a question for you guys. Um, you know, you guys play a whole bunch of different formats. Would you? Do, are you going to try to get better in the format that you already like? Feel that you're best at? Are you going to try and make that even better? Are you going to take like something that maybe you know you're not having the best success, or either just like I got to change my process? Are you going to spend more time like trying to get better at those leagues, or making your better leagues like even better? If that makes any sense. Uh. For me, I'm going to do probably just as many, if not more, draft champions. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, last year, all of a sudden, I became better at 15-team leagues than I did in 12-team leagues. And I've always been better in 12-team leagues than I have been in 15-team leagues. So Interesting. somewhere along the line, I don't know, like if it's just part of my draft strategies kind of changed a little bit, but I seem to be doing better in 15-team leagues. So I think I'm going to cut back on – um, well, I'm going to try to anyways. There's no guarantees there uh, on, the, on the online championships, the, the 12 team fab leagues. Um, mm-hmm. Try to do maybe like three or four leagues instead of uh, the usual like six or seven leagues. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, I'm going to I'm going to do more more, just as many, if not more draft champions leagues this year. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm looking at your. Your, you know, you had one, two, three, you had six teams in the top 500 and I see that it's it, it's uh team two three and four it's at the very beginning of the season and teams 15 and 17 so it's, it's almost like your teams at the beginning of draft season at the end we want the top and everything else was you know a little less further behind but um and you know do why you feel like, are you doing too many drafts with those other ones well, at the same time I, or well i think because my early drafts i i draft with my strategy that i like right Right. And, and then I, I get, I got into a mode last year where I kind of tried some different things throughout the, you know, the middle of the draft season. And then the last couple of drafts, I got back into what I, what I do, what I, you know, try to do best. It was my, with my strategy. So that's why I think I was wow. better in the beginning and in the end than I was in the, in the middle. Um, yeah. 
Oh, like the I'm, end, they're like, oh, main event season's coming. So let me draft like how I think I'm going to draft and, and get closer to like the truer you instead of just, you know, playing around yeah. with different. Yeah, nice. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, because um, I feel like I, you know, I didn't do, um, I played 112 and I did pretty well and I got off to a great start, but somewhere along the line, I just went from like being in the top 100 overall to just being third or fourth in my league and I ended up coming in second, but I didn't feel good about it. I feel like I made so many bad decisions and I'm looking at my roster moves and looking at like where I went wrong. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm just trying to like figure out, cause I think it is a, you know, it's huge difference. Like I said, not only in the fab and that I was having trouble with, but just even drafting. And that was, uh, I joined, I joined the OC, I think the night before, you know, opening day on the 31st, which I was supposed to do a main event that night, but I switched it to like earlier in that week. And so like that night where everyone else in the world was drafting, I was like, I got to get into an OC. So I tried a 12 teamer. Um, but um, what about you, Zach? Are you going to try to make any specific format better? Yeah, I definitely need to get better at the draft champions format. And it's funny because I have the draft champions podcast and I suck at draft champions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I need to do better. Like, I think I did, we discussed like that. It's the icing and the cake thing. I just too much. You, you need to, you need to, you need to, you need to get more certainty in the first part of the draft, which I, which I failed to do. I think that's, that's something I de- identified. I need to get better at the draft champions leagues. Um, probably do maybe not as many overall leagues, but um, the league, I, I tended to like this year um, I, I was doing better in leagues with fab than I would than leagues where there was no moves. Um, so I think it, being able to pivot and um, fix your mistakes is something that I was able to do better than just like the draft um, at like draft than draft in November and December. So um, I think I need to, I need to get better at the draft and hold um, the, the, the 15 team draft and holds and, um, maybe I'll just do less and try and focus on um, just paying more attention rather than using them as like a, a practice to, to I guess, learn, learn the player pool. You really have to, I really have to get better at them. Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you think that like a, a depth chart slash like organizational thing where you're like, maybe I should, look a little bit more about like who might be getting playing time or like, you know, who, you know, stuff like that. I felt like the more, um, the better I've gotten recently in the last couple of years is because uh, just paying attention to like arbitration and, you know, when a guy might not, you know, lose at bat or maybe a player option that kicks in when he gets a certain amount of a bat, like Abby Sale, go see this year, even though he did get it. You know, just certain things like that when, I don't know, I felt like when I started picking those things up and, and, and incorporating to it, I, I became a lot better. But uh, for draft champions, do you think like you feel like you need to get a better understanding of depth charts or just uh, something else? No, I saw the depth charts. So I, I, I think I, I think that's okay. It's what I was doing is I was the, the construction at the first part of the draft. Um, I just wasn't projected for enough stats, enough county stats for the first, like say 20, 25 rounds. I was mm. sprink, I'm sprinkling in guys like, like um, Anton and clinic and, um, and like Tanner Hawk, just like too early. Like they were, they're all like talented players, but they just weren't going to get you 
that they, they didn't have the secure role. And right. you really can't, you really can't do more than one of them. And if you think, Oh, well, I can do a hitter and a pitcher and like, I'll, I'll make up for it later. You really, it's really difficult. And then what I was doing in the later rounds of these draft champions was I was getting guys like Jordan Balazovic, um, Corey Abbott, like um, just prospects that I, that I felt like were like maybe up last year. I'm like, they gotta be up this year. Right. And, or like, out like, um, not Alza, like, uh, like Braylon Marquez, and all these, yeah, guys, all these popular. guys, just too many of those guys where I, I was looking at, I was looking at some of my older drafts and like, what am I doing? I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting like, like Braylon Marquez when I could be drafting Trevor Rogers or right. Logan Webb or well, like, guy, well, guy, like guy, yeah, guy, well, like even Kyle like Freeland, right. You know, like, you know, like someone who pitched 130 innings and where you, you know, could have maybe used them twice when he's not pitching in Colorado or someone who yeah didn't even snap yeah. in ages. Yeah. 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 It's just like trying to identify like, not just the, like, like the prospects that could pop because there's just like, there's too many that are going to miss. There's just too right. many that are going to miss. And especially last year, it seemed like a bad year for that. And um, just not taking, not taking enough time to like look for like the Logan Webb or the Trevor Rogers or mm-hmm. like the Cedric or the, like, I remember there's like, I was, I took Jason Hayward over Cedric Mullins like many times. Right. Like, like, I don't, like, I don't know how, like hindsight's easy to, blame but right. i don't know just just trying to like look for look for those players that are going to pop that aren't necessarily like the shiny new prospects some of the some of the players that could sort of just resurface from the junk heap right right i was like like a boy weimer likes to say he said on my pod uh, his his style was boring but beautiful like uh yeah. it's just those guys that you know and you take a look back all right this guy's gonna get 550 at bats like it's a lock you know um uh, yeah it's definitely uh like my thing last year was like uh, i could uh, i can draft jared clinic i can draft sam hilliard i could draft french mm. codero no problem because i'm going to draft jason hayward five rounds later problem solved wrong, wrong. They also, they, right like, no, that's not problem <laughs> pro, pro, problem not solved that, <laughs> right that, and that, right. that that's basically my logic but i think you just need to get you just need to have such a better core in the first part of your draft and i think if i had that i'd fare a lot better um in these in these drafts Gotcha. And that makes total sense because I thought I think I mentioned prior, but like that's why I felt that was the best. My my easiest lineups to say uh each week were teams where I said like where I drafted like a guy like Austin Hayes to be um, you know, an eighth, ninth outfield or like a okay, just in case he starts getting regular PT and he starts being good, you know, he can maybe start me and then it became where it became like okay well actually he's much better than Randall Gritchick now because Gritchick lost playing time and it's like it was a lot easier to swing like that and I I think it's something I learned last year just honestly just trying to you know do the prospects on another time but uh, you know you you got Julio you just picked Julio Rodriguez in his 50 baby love it yeah you're on the clock by the way you're on the clock you want to make a pick I'm gonna. I'm looking right now. So, yeah, I'll make a pick right now. Um, what are you these, thinking these, about? These, these, Walk us through. Fit. Let the listeners into the brain of an NFBC overall winner. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's that's hilarious. Um, so, I mean, these these fifties are a little bit different. You have a little bit more margin for error um, right. than the, the, the than the DCs because the DCs like you really make, want to make sure that you have like a good starting lineup. Whereas here. Like I basically have my starting lineup and there's still like a lot of good players that are still going to get you at there's like, there's still some borderline borderline starters that are available. Still like you still got like Kepler there and mm-hmm. Hampson, like just looking at some of the outfielders that are right. still, 
Round 25, some, second pick around 25 for anyone listening. It's 290 overall. So like that, that a lot of uh still these still quality everyday players available. So I have I have my um my all my starting hitters um already, and I have like Charlie Blackman and Julio Rodriguez as my reserves, and I and I'm missing one pitcher um from my starting lineup. So I did I did end up dropping some of my reserves before my final lineup was finished. It looks like I'm a little light on the pitching side. There are, there are a lot of good hitters that are still left there, um, but they're all, there's a bunch of them that eh, they're, they're okay. Like there's, they might, they might end up going quickly. They might end up going, they, yeah. they might end up, they, they might end up getting swooped up pretty quickly. Got Granky uh, still out there, baby. He is. He's a top, he's on the top of the list, but I think I'm going to take a player um, that's a pitcher. And um, are you going to do it? I'm going to do it. It's I time. Think that... It's time. No, no, not him. <sighs> should I, should I do it for the podcast? You want me to? Yeah, no, I, mean, I, can, I, might, I can't. <laughs> I might do it. If you don't. John's in the middle of us. I did that. <laughs> as soon as, no, as soon as you said that, John takes him in our, I'm in another draft of John. John took him in that draft. <laughs> oh yeah. As soon as, yeah. <laughs> I love as it. Soon, I love as soon it. As, I don't know, it's too early for me. I think it's too it's too early. Um, Rob I, thinks I, he's back. I got. I had to take him. I had to do it. <laughs> I love it. This is great. Oh, People man. listening are like, "Who are they talking about?" Um, so I think uh, buy. Uh, I like to buy post hype post hype breakouts yeah. at at okay. or below at or below market value. Okay. So I'm going to do it now. Kevin Biggio? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, all right. Lizardo. Okay, I like it. I like it. I mean... That's who I was going to guess, too, Rob. Biggio. Biggio. Yeah, I didn't know if you were going, you know, Blue Jay angle, but I. all right, all right. I like Lizardo. I mean, it, you know, who knows? But, okay, so, all right, no, I can't... I'm not going to talk about players left in the player pool, but, again, we were just talking about guys who, you know, just getting it done. I think he just seemed like when he got a chance to go to the Marlins, he still looked like, oh, you know, a couple of couple of sessions with him, and I don't know, he just looked still bad, still like lost, I guess. And yeah, he wasn't did, good. He wasn't good. I don't know, but he's a, I get, you know, he's in a decent division, I guess, too. So, um, you know, maybe they could work some uh, some of their magic with uh, with that so yeah so rookies prospects is definitely something you know to uh to monitor over like the the veteran guys it's definitely a good you know aspect of the dc that you have to know um how how were you guys um prepared uh actually before we get into this into this year's draft and how what's the biggest difference between a 12 team and a 15 team league when you guys get prepared for like a draft and is like, what's, is there a position that changes like where you uh, all of a sudden maybe want to target more or less, or you will, you know, what, what's different between um, an online championship and a main event, like 12 and 15, how do you go into the draft with a different mindset on like what players are valued differently? The biggest thing for me is relief pitchers. You, you need three of them in a 12. And um, I, I think, and in a, in a 15, you need two. So I think um, just and given the fact that relief pitching is so scarce, especially now 
I think it's important getting those lockdown guys in the 12. I'm actually more concerned about getting them in the 12s than I am the 15s. Hmm. But. Interesting. So you put like a little more emphasis on, on, on trying to get more early or just make sure you get three definitely in general. Um, well, I, I want to make sure that I get more. I want to get, I want to get two of the like safer guys. Like, and that ends at Romano for me. Right. Okay. And, Interesting. And if I don't get, if I only, if I only get one of them, then I'm going to want to get, if I don't only get, if I only get one safe guy, then I definitely want to get two of the next tier, which is like your like probably guys, which would include Melanson and um, Kimbrell and uh, some other, I don't know. Nothing's uh, who else is there in, in that tier, like um, after Romano. Um, I guess Soto, Barlow, those kind of guys, maybe. Yeah, yeah, like them. Right, right. I want to yeah. make I want to make sure I have them because it just if you don't if you don't have that, it's going to be so much more difficult to get them. And I was thinking to myself, like, yeah, you like everyone has their standing gains projection tools, and closers are worth what, like twenty, like the best ones are worth twenty bucks, twenty two bucks, but really, like. If you think about like some of the like intangible aspects of that, like finding another finding a replacement is like if if you're having you know waivers league or even like finding it in like the rounds thirty to fifty in these drafts are just so hit or miss. It's very it's a very difficult skill to have to find those players, whether it be it in fab or in the later rounds of these um, big drafts. Um, and also, if you are finding a replacement, they're not going to be as good and you're going to need like more than one of them to replicate uh you're gonna need you're gonna need like two of the later guys to to match like uh, a hater so there's a there's a lot of reasons why like just like if you're looking at just the stats and how how many standing gains points that's worth it's not going to really reflect the true value of those closers and i and i think the way that things are like landscaped this year in these 12s is like the, if you're if you're looking at like if you're in round three round four and you want to take one of those top closers and you're passing on a hitter there's a lot of very similar hitters that are sprinkled in through those rounds um uh that you can get like that are comparable to like the the, the hitters that are around or two above and i did like you can like i yeah i'm probably not going to do what i did this draft ever again um taking closers that early um i don't think that's like the optimal play but I think that um, it could it could have worked out better if some of the hitters fell um, to me in the in like a, on the four or five turn that come that can fall. Like I've seen Story fall there um, and other good hitters, but it so happened in this draft that uh, they didn't fall. Uh, the, the hitters that I did think are comparable didn't quite fall. But I think the hitters that you did get like in rounds five six can be comparable to the earlier round hitters that are not your elites, but you're near elites. Yeah. I mean, for anyone who doesn't know what Zach did in this league, that he said he won't do again, but he picked Liam Hendricks in the second and then Josh Hader um, on the, on the wrap, uh, not the back-to-back, but right before it. And I, I think that's, you know, there was me and Jenny wanted to do that in the tag team, not in the second and third round, but third and fourth, you know, and Jeff Zimmerman and Fedzinki beat us to that exact same thing. <laughs> but um, I think it's going to be something that people are going to try often, I think, this year. And maybe with those two guys or maybe with, you know, 
uh, one of those two and then an immediate another next one, maybe like Edwin Diaz or uh, Gallegos is going, going early, um, you know, Ryan Presley, something like that, or uh, Iglesias. So uh, I think it's going to be tried often. So why do you think that you won't do it again? I just think it's too early. I just think like I would have been just as happy with like, I, I was hoping that I would get something on the four or five turn, like a, like a Bogarts or a story or something right. that would be like that. Something that would be like almost as good as like, like story could be just as good as like some of these second round players, like Albus, right. like if he if, like, I don't know. Like, um, so if I can get some of those guys that fell there, then like, what would you yeah. rather have Hen- Hendricks and Hader and story? And um, I'm trying to think of a guy like, who, who, who's around? Like, you know, like I, thought, I thought you were going to pick Machado on the way back or something like that. Machado or, um, or story. I think that the guy I thought you were coming back with after Hendricks, not to, but I like the double, the double whammy start. I mean, <laughs> you don't really I, have to worry I, about I, it. I didn't, I didn't love it. See, I was looking at like Machado was one of the guys I was looking at, but I'm like, there's, I think I, I thought I could get somebody very similar to Machado's skills in the fourth and fifth round of this 12 team league. So yeah. like, why not just get, why not just lock down the closers? I don't, hopefully I started a closer run. It didn't quite, it didn't happen. Um, uh, and um, like the, the, my options there were like Machado, Simeon, Story, um, Story I've seen get, fall very far back. Marte. Or I could, right. or no. I could start, yeah, I could have taken Starling Marte, but all those guys, like they weren't just like your, there, I think I just felt that there was such a drop off from like the hitters that just went before me uh, right. that I that I just I would have I would have gone Hendricks and I was debating I was actually debating between Hader and like another starting pitcher and I didn't I didn't want to take uh, I didn't want uh, Degrom but he went anyways before but like um, I could have the yeah, guys that went in the back ended around like Giolito, Sale, Ray, you know yeah like probably yeah, those, those, yeah. You didn't want to bump yeah. them up too much. I didn't want to bump. I could have bumped up Bieber, but or Alcantara, any of those guys, right? But um, I figured that I'll, I'll, there's a there's a lot of those starting pitchers, and there's a lot of those um, um hitters that can get. Like I figured a power a power like a, a power speed guy and a starting pitcher are gonna fall back to me in round four or five. I ended up going with Tyler O'Neill and Logan Webb, which okay, they're probably a, like a step down in terms of your um, I guess your confidence level. Their, their upside is just is right with everyone else there, but just like your the track record's not there, right? So I I did sacrifice a little bit, but I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think I lost a lot there. No, I I totally get it. I mean, like I said, I don't I don't hate the start, and I don't I don't like uh, like what you did afterwards. You know, definitely was a couple of picks, you know, it's it just weird seeing Christian Yellick in the 11th round, you know, even Austin Meadows in the 13th round, he's not special, but you know, 29 and 107, I think it was, it's, just, it's still plays and just to see their names. So late, I think um, me and Steve Weimer took Yellich in your first. Uh, we, we were talking about that. We were talking about that earlier today, me and Steve. Yeah. Cause just, it was like, when we were discussing players. I'm like, Hey, what about Christian Yellick? <laughs> You know, and it was like at the point where you're looking at the other outfielders and you're like, I mean, you gotta take Yellick here, right? You know, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just. Uh, he's he's probably the hardest guy. Uh, what, you know, I was talking, I was talking to Steve about it today. I'm like, I honestly have no idea what what's gonna happen with him. No idea. Like, 
taking, and I, I, I've taken him before as my first outfielder and it, and it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, it, exactly. I guess it definitely depends on the roster construction because if you're getting him a pick 80 ish or whatever, and he, he gives you 20 homers, eight stolen bases and 290. Is that horrible? You know, I don't know. Probably not. No. Yeah, I don't think it is, but and I think it is more capable. So here, oh, we'll go back to the Marlin profile. Well, the Marlin profile wasn't terrible. Um, and at pick 80, 90, whatever, it, it's you take that Marlin, you know, not 44 homer profile, but maybe he tapped back into it a little bit. You know, maybe he did have a back injury that, you know, doesn't just magically disappear in the middle of the season. You know, I get people say, well, if he can't manage it now, is he ever going to be able to manage it? But who knows? You know, guys, guys see different acupunctures. Who knows what goes different and they can get back into uh, the swing of it, you know? Um I, don't know. I read I read something uh, within the last couple of days that said like I think their GM or somebody in the Brewers organization said that um, Yellick's um, performance was not injury related. Interesting, but could, but who but who, but who knows? Like do, like do you believe what they said? I don't know. Right, like, and like did you did anyone know Bregman had a hand wrist problem? You know, and who how no. long was how long was that bothering him for? You know, everyone's so quick to obviously hit that. He's a crash can guy. You know, of course, everyone wants to scream that out instantly. Yeah. You know, because you know, uh, you know, Altuve and Correa suck now too. But anyway, um, <laughs> not just for another story. But John, um, talk to us about your start in this draft. I kind of love, <coughs> excuse me, the J Ram, Woodruff, Nola, um, awesome start. Um, especially Nola, I think right there in that spot, uh, almost like a no brainer, I think in that, you know, in that range to pick him. Uh, I feel like he's one of those guys where like surface stats will kind of fool you and kind of go underneath and he's pretty much almost, you know, like the same pitcher he was the year before, but, um, how, how did you, you know, how did you approach this draft? Like it, uh, I know you guys, I think have been involved with, uh, a couple of the drafts, but you know, just in general too, when there's like no ADP, you know, how do you, how do you walk into something fresh off in the year? Like where do you start? Yeah. So kind of like what we were mentioning earlier um, from my, my drafts last year, like I was pretty good at the beginning, pretty good at the, at the end and in the middle, it just wasn't, wasn't, wasn't working. Um, I'm, I'm strictly going on the strategy that works for me. It's my aces and bases strategy. I want, Stolen bases, and I want aces early. Um, so I, I got Jay. Sorry to cut I, you off, but you guys need t-shirts. You need the aces and bases t-shirt, and Zach <laughs> needs the icing and the cake fucking t-shirt. You guys, and 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 your other thing that you said, the other acronym that you had, uh, Zach. I a- forgot. A- a- B- ABD always be yeah, hundred yeah, percent. You guys <laughs> need you guys need a line like it instantly. You know what? The hell with Roto Wear. Let's just start our own. You know. I got like six of them written down on my whiteboard for sure. So we can make <laughs> we, it we happen. Can, we, we can brainstorm this like crazy. I think the icing and the cake one's kind of weak, but I don't want to wear that shirt. But I think like I, I like the ace and base. That's that's kind of tough. And then the ABD, like that could be like, like that could with be a, anything. Like, that could with be like a, a good, big, yeah, a, a, a big dick. I don't know. With a good artist, the icing on the cake could be, could be, a, could be a master, you know, for sure. But uh, yeah, you, you, we, we gotta get our we gotta get the graphics department on that. <laughs> yeah, all right, John, don't die. Aces and bases. So again, get back to uh, before I uh, interrupt. Yeah, you. yeah. So uh, Jose Ramirez was uh, 
an obvious pick for me there. Um, I actually don't know what I would have done if he wouldn't have went at six because I am not a Vlad Jr. in the first round kind of guy. So I don't know what I would have done there. Um, I probably would have went with Corbin Burns. Um, but yeah, so I was happy to get J Ram. That was that was a that was an auto pick, basically. Had to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh and then yeah, I, I want uh I want to I want two aces. So I got my stolen bases and I also got my third baseman, which I was very happy to to get because uh, I think it's the weakest position. It um, really but yeah. is. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. it gets ugly in a hurry. It um, really, I waited so long, and and every time I was ready in this trap to get on it, and you know, I was like, Shit, I waited too long. It was like, just, you know, like at, you know, at some point, uh, I think how, yeah, Adam Howe took Bregman like right before, like, oh man, like maybe I'll go to Bregman. And I was excited about Bregman, you know, like, oh, I, uh, I love getting him at this spot, like you know, almost a hundred. <laughs> I think it was a hundred and five, and I was like, oh man, that's crazy. Great. That's crazy. It is. It is crazy. It's a, and, it's, and that's the spot where, where if you get Alex Bregman in, even if it goes back to, uh, you know, 280 and, tw- you know, 28, uh, you know, with a couple stone, like more than a handful of stone bases, you know, uh, there's rumblings here. You know, they may choose him to go back to shortstop because they're all the shortstop and the minors on. Who, who knows? Like, there's so many paths, I think, to get, you know, Bregman to get back to being better than 106. But anyway, with Ready to pick him, and then uh, I think it was uh, after that was <laughs> Brian Hayes. Like, yeah, maybe I get Brian Hayes. It was just like trying to get these regression candidates, and uh, it just went out the window. And then at one point, it was just like, you know what? I think Condelario was like my last late target, and that went out the window. I'm like, all right, Kyle <laughs> Seeger, I guess you're gonna be my <laughs> baseman. And that's come on I home. Hit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Come on home, and that's when. You know, I look back and I'm like, man, my Tim Anderson pick could have been a third baseman or I, you know, instead of uh, John, like you said, it's a weird spot. Uh, um, even at 10, uh, pick 10 in the first round for me, it's like, I didn't know really which way to go with the bat, you know, like um, I didn't, I, I didn't want to take Buer or Woodruff there. Um, and then it was like Kyle Tucker. I don't know if that's too high. I knew I wanted maybe him or Robert on the wrap. And it's like, you just look at Bryce Harper. And I was just like, I don't know. Cause Acuna is like, you know, I don't know how much I'm going to get of him either. So it's definitely weird after, um, you know, the Bichette, Tatis, Turner, Soto kind of crew is like, and Vlad, uh, you know, I would maybe take him in the first, just looking at the, you know, first and third landscape is, just different this year, you know, Goldsmith going way higher. So is Olsen uh, and Austin Riley. So, but um, yeah, I, I definitely, and I thought you got hey, Oscar at uh, a great spot too, you know, for, for it's mm-hmm. like, I, are people looking at what he did last year and the year before? I'm kind of confused why he just, Damn. yeah, I, I know <laughs> you are. Yeah. A hundred percent. He's been a monster, so I definitely like a start there. Then you went to your first, you know, uh, I think Mondesi is a good throw right there. Like, got him in the sixth round at that point. I mean, why not, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, once, wow. once, I, once I took Castellanos, I was like, okay, I've, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm pretty well-rounded here. I got J-Ram and Tiasker. They're going to get, you know, probably like whatever, 40, 45 stolen bases for me. Got two aces. I got my slugger in Castellanos, nice average. Uh, yeah, I was like, okay, 
<laughs> it's now or never. This is might be the only time I ever draft them. So um, I know how shallow third is, right? So right. I draft and hold. I got a third baseman already. Why not get a second one? Who I think is going to eventually, I think he might be able to get dual eligibility. Um, in, what, in the th- th- third, third base in IL. <laughs> well, yeah, he's probably gonna get that too. He's probably gonna get he that already too. has that. <laughs> but the thing is, so the, the, okay, so my thing with Monesi is the, the reason I've always been off of him is because when you take him in the second, third round, you're heavily relying on him, right? For me, I mean, it's a six round pick, it's obviously an important pick, but if he gets hurt, I don't feel like I'm I'm done. I've because I've, I've already addressed stolen bases, right? So I think it's just like I'm getting more, right? So I'm getting more of something. So I mean, if he stays healthy, I I'm pretty much gonna win stolen bases. I think. I mean, I think there's I don't think there's really much of a question. Um, and then and if even he if hurt, he gives you even if he gives you 20, 25 and plays half a year, and you can still scrounge five from your bench in the weeks he doesn't play, it's still a good amount you know to get right right yeah yep yep so i thought i i I think this is uh this is as good a time as as any for me to to get someone like him um Mm -hmm. i don't know how often i'm gonna do it though just because it just really doesn't fit my fit my mold that i usually like to do like that's usually closer territory for me um but i did and i did wait a little bit on closers which i usually don't do but uh 12 team league, I figured I could get some get some decent values um in the mid to late rounds, which I, I don't know. I, I, as of right now, I think I did. As we said, no, yeah, in the middle think, of November. But I think we'll, Jansen we'll is I think Jansen's money. I think he's definitely going back to LA, you know. Yeah. Um, and and I just think that's a solid pick. The guy was awesome throughout the year. Uh, his walk weight, you know, I think uh, creeped up high to start, but he ended off like a beast. And I like your little run of pitchers right there. Um, you had four in a row in uh, rounds 10 on. It was Gilbert, Molly, Bassett, Gray. Um, nice little attack there after uh, having your two aces. Um, that's, yeah, I, I, I was... Looking to get Gilbert, I should have just took him. That that one, that round really cracked me in the face because I kind of wanted some power and I wanted to get Schwarber, but I want. I'm like in my head, I'm like, yeah, maybe Gilbert, Mania, Rodon, Baz. Every single guy said in my head, maybe one of these guys will come back. Nobody made it back, and it's just like, oh man, I missed drafting season. You know, those those you know those well thought out you know plays in your head instantly become a regret when you walk back to your computer and you're like, man, none of these guys are left, man. Like, why did I pick Schwarber? You know, you get mad at yourself. Hey, but you got, but you got Snell though. Like, I got Blake Snell. That's like, he fits the, that tier. He fits, he fits what tier? Like he's, he's right, right with all those pictures you just listed. You think so? I think so. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm hoping so. I mean, he 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 was pretty he was pretty impressive last year after he 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 ditched that changeup and he I think his his last let's see his last forty four innings pitched of the year went deep too right yeah five five of his last eight starts went past five innings where he wasn't really doing that but thirty nine point four percent K rate you know in his last eight starts I mean who knows you know I was show, I was showing this board to Graham he's we talk and then 
I, was, I showed him my, I showed him like I took, I took Baz and Yalik and the 10, 11 turn. And then I, I sat on the board and he's like, and I'm like, Oh, look at the board. I'm like, should I take it now? And he's like, yeah, you probably should have taken it now instead of Baz. Yeah, that's so, that's that's close. I mean, Baz Baz looks great though too, right? I mean, I mean, um, again, going back to some skill filtering stuff like that. I like I like to screw around on Alex Chamberlain's leaderboard, and you know, um, just like the actual pitch metrics, like uh, stuff like the you know extension on the pitches and spin and um, like the uh i think it's like uh what's it called vaa like vertical attack angle like his fastball is like coles and the like it's in the same ranges so he's definitely got this elite fastball and you know i think you're gonna get at least 125 130 innings from him like that's what mcclanahan did this year i would expect that from bad and i don't know man he's 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 a monster he's the guy i think that's a lot of people will be heavily in, you know, in on. Um, and I think it's just going to climb from here. It's like one of those drafts where I'm just regretting not getting him because I think he's only going to go higher, you know? Yeah, that, that's one of the reasons I took Baz because I figured, like, I've seen him go. I've already been in a, this, like, my fifth draft. I'm like, I don't, he usually doesn't last this long. So if I'm going to get a share, this is a good spot to get him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been an interesting draft. Has any, has any, player caught your guy's eye like uh kind of early or just kind of late you know i think one guy that keeps coming out i mean all these drafts is, is goldschmidt you know like i know he's had a great year and he's been a great player for a long time but be like you know in 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 a matter of a season he went from like you know what uh 110 adp you know right back into the top 50 it's just uh, I don't yeah, know how we've I, been in that draft champion. That um, actually, I think the ADP's out, right? I don't have to rely on you guys anymore to tell me where the fuck everyone went. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it out yet, but it could be. <laughs> Gold Goldsmith's a guy that I can probably tell you I will have none of this entire draft season because he's going too high. Yeah, it yeah. just for for what he what he provides you first base. Um, like, I could be wrong. That's the same reason I avoided Vlad last year. So I'm like. I'm stupid, but I, I I'll tell you right now, I'll have no Goldsmith this year. His got age, sixty-five his ADP right now. After three, that that that's that from three of the draft champions, um, on on registered right now. Sixty-five, so sixty-five. That's, that's like, highest. That's like, uh, fifth, that's like fifth round. Yep, sixty-one to sixty-nine is his range. So going in this, you know, a similar spot every time. But uh, interesting. I, I think that's fine in a fifteen-team league, fifth round. Um, yeah. And in our in our I, draft I so. though is only a twelve. That's what what's that? That's uh, well, that's twelve. That's fifty three. Fifty three. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know. I I, I don't mind it. I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if the stolen bases are going to stick around again because he's starting right. to run a little bit again. So. If if they if those stick around, I think it makes makes perfect sense. He's always going to play every day. He's going to hit in the middle of a lineup. Um, but some some of these players have resurgences in stolen bases. Like I can't think of anything. I know there's more than just Goldsmith. Like off the top of my head, I can't think of. But it's just it's, it's sort of like these stolen bases came back out of nowhere for some of these players. Like who? Do you, do you I, like I said, like, um, give me a second. I th- I don't know, man. I. I just see like a, a couple of teams got like kind of really aggressive. Like Detroit kind of started getting really aggressive. Seattle, 
don't know. I just feel like I'm not Seattle's saying. always kind of always been right, but they stayed it like you know they did. I don't know. You can just see like it's not just in the minors, uh, in the majors. Like it's guys who come up that have the same mentality. I'm not saying the stone base is gonna come back heavy like you know the 1980 fucking Cardinals where everyone had three homers and 79 stolen bases. But <laughs> you know, like uh, I feel like I don't know. I think teams might start utilizing it more um, to their advantage, but I don't know. Uh, I, one I, guy, one guy that caught my eye in this draft, and I took him in the eighth round. I wasn't planning on getting him. It was not a target for me, but Jose Abreu, the eighth round. Yeah, yeah. I had to actually, I had to go search and make sure he wasn't hurt or something. I, had, I couldn't believe he was still there. I was like, am I missing something here? Um, yeah, yeah it's pretty crazy. He, I he wasn't a I like, for me, but I like Brian Reynolds and all. He's a good player, but I guess that team already had Pete Alonso. So, right, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. yeah, I was like, I had, I thought, yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna take a Abreu here. I, I was not planning on taking my first baseman there. I was actually planning on waiting for somebody like Josh Bell uh, or CJ Crone. Yeah. yeah, some of these, some of these pitchers that fell into the sixth round, like Flaherty and Lynn, that's like I'm, I don't know. Maybe I have to just get might just got to recalibrate for these twelve team leagues. That seems really late. Right. Yeah. No. Then, yeah, I know, John. I totally agree with like Jose Abreu and the and I guess that's why like I'm just so surprised to see Goldschmidt thirty picks ahead of him. It's just because you know. I don't know. Goldschmidt had one more homer, you know, um, runs plus ribbies was pretty much the same. I think the edge was like two for a break. And then you got the stolen bases. But like you said, if you don't expect all of them to stay around and you get them elsewhere, which you did, uh, I, I just don't see the 30 pick gap, you know, between those guys. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, no, I, the- I, I agree with that. I'm trying to look at what's, I'm trying to find one that like I thought was like really high and one that was really low. For um in this draft, I'm just searching. Yeah, I mean Bobby uh, Witt's the easy one. Every draft you could just say, "Oh yeah, Bobby Witt." I'm surprised someone taking him in the sixth round. Yeah, I don't, I don't want. I didn't want to choose that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, that's too easy to pick on that one. Verlander might be high in my opinion, <laughs> just because just because of the injury. I don't know. Right. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to take him there. Just from just seeing other drafts and where he's gone, he's usually going a bit later than that. He's a guy that I like. I wouldn't be comfortable taking that early. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh no! Oh, better one, McCullers. McCullers, like, wait, wait. There you go. Right. I'd, I'd have. I'd rather have Verlander than McCullers. McCullers going way too early, uh, given he's hurt and that injury is not like. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So McCullers is a guy that I would would not be taking that early, and a guy that's going later, um, that I think is a good deal is. Um, I'm not going to pick anyone from my own team, uh, but <laughs> I'll, I'll pick a couple guys from Rob's team that I, I really like later. Votto, Votto, and Conforto. Uh, yeah, that, those are those are. I mean, we just saw what Votto did, and we know how good Conforto's been. You know, prior to this past season, right? But yeah, I mean, I, I think those are I think those are absolutely phenomenal picks. Yeah, I was I, lo- I, I was super happy about getting. Um, Votto, you know, pick 183 overall. But Conforto, yeah, I just, I mean, that's not even like a Met, you know, former Met homer pick. It was just one of those where, I don't know, I felt like even at his, even at, you know, 260 and 25 homers where 
I think it was like pick 220-ish or whatever. I was like, uh, I went through a decent run there with picking guys that um, I was never in on Comforto because he always went higher than I thought like he was really, because I watched him a lot. I like, think that's that one short, you know, spurt he had really, you know, got him um, a little higher than where I wanted to draft him, even though I liked him. But, and then Leva Torres is another guy. I didn't, you know. He's the I, guy. He's the guy. He's the guy that so, stolen bases just came out of nowhere again. Yeah. And, you know, he's again, he's a guy last year at that, at that, um, you know, price point. I was like, there's no chance. And he was one guy that I did not, you know, even come close to trying to draft. But seeing him at 180, I was like, well, <laughs> you know, you start, you start asking, like, you know, you can't put anything out, you know, but I mean, and you know what? Um, from from August on, he wasn't horrible. You know, he hit three or five, three homers, four stolen bases, but everything started to come back a little bit, like hard hit, elevation. So I don't know, you know, obviously a small sample size, but he was definitely better. And, you know, in that lineup, just there in those spots. I'm like, oh, I feel like I just went on this, you know, regression, you know, positive regression kick with, you know, Torres and Conforto and Santander, um, you know, because Santander too is like, you know, I use guys going like what pick 80 last year, you know, and it's again, you, you know, in the 20th round. And so I don't know, I'll take a chance on those skills again, you know, especially if I think he was hurt. I'll give you a guy that I, that I think is going, uh, was a good deal of um, Fish's team, Brandon Lowe. Like around, mm. I think it's around pick 100. So who I forget who it was that was saying um, that one, they saw one of our first drafts. I forget if it was a DM or if it was on Twitter, but uh, they said, how is Brandon Lowe still going in the same place or later than he was last year after what he did last year? <laughs> I, I don't know who said that, but uh, it wasn't Matty Wood. Um, it was someone else, but that's um, just something that like, it just doesn't, you, you got Jose Abreu and Brandon Lowe back to back in round eight and nine. Like that's crazy. That almost that almost makes up for your modesty pick. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> almost dead. Man, no, it's just true. I mean, a brave and low just slipping, you know, into the draft. Right into yeah, but oh man, you had to get one back on modesty, huh? Yeah, yeah I couldn't I, I, I mean I'm just I'm just I'm just fucking I, I really don't yeah, have a response because I actually kind of agree with Zach. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I was uh, I was pretty thrilled to get a Brayu and uh, Brandon Lowe back to back right there, eighth and ninth rounds. Were, I was definitely looking at Brandon Lowe were in that in that ninth round, um, and it actually now I kind of regretted not taking him. I ended up going with Arenado, but like like as Rob knows, third base is just you don't want to you don't want to like let it get out of hand. So I, I went with I was debating Arenado or Brandon Lowe, and I took Arenado, and then uh, I sort of ran out of second baseman. Like I, I didn't end up getting in my second baseman. I was sniped on a couple other guys after that. And then I had to settle. Now I'm settling with um, a sort of a makeshift um, type thing later on of guys that aren't really, um, I guess, super safe. I like Gene Tagore though. That was a nice pick later on. I mean, I feel like he's yeah, always, it, it's, yeah, I feel like he's always just it, a solid, solid player. Yeah, he's solid. Like he made it for Lux. Lux, Lux was sort of like the upside shot that I'm like, I better back it up with uh, something that's a little bit more safe. Right. And Toro's another guy who's like, you know, at, in round 23, I had him like, and once I, once I went into the barren starting third baseman land, you know, he was 
Uh, I should have took two, like, if, uh, of a Seeger. I should have took Toro with my next pick just to have two of them, you know, just to, um, I don't know. I was like, maybe it's a little too high to take Toro right now, but it would probably be good for my team. But listen, I have project, like, updated projecting standings through this draft right now. And, uh, you know, John is projected for second place. Zach, you're in third, and I'm in fourth. So we have a lot to keep up right now. So we have to hold good. to this. Uh, this, what do you um, what do you use? What sort of software do you use? Right? I'm using um Tanner Bell's uh um SGP rankings tool, but it just keeps track of everything. He has an easy um easy import button with with uh so you go to draft results and you just download that file and you enter you copy and paste it right into the his draft tab and it automatically populates so it shows you who's left and it shows you you know stats for every team. So it's pretty easy. Otherwise I wouldn't really, you know, um, it's at first it was like overwhelming for me because I never did any of this SGP projection thing, but to copy and paste for like a person like me, it's huge. So I just like to see who the, you know, just like I keep track of who's available at each spot too. And uh, who's in first right now? Is it McHugh? Um, see, I just clicked off a bit. It wasn't McHugh. It was Poplin, Andrew. Okay. Cole, yeah. Wheeler, Cole, Cole Wheeler start will help that quite a bit. Right. Yeah. Cause that's where he's popping off right now. He's at um, uh, 12 points in the RA, 11 whip, 10 in wins, 10 in Ks, 9 in saves. So obviously, yeah, this is all going to change. But, you know, but, but, but one big question for you how much is Clayton Kershaw contributing to that? Right. That's a very good point. Very good. Because point. Be, 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 like how much? Like how much? What's I don't know what Clayton Kershaw's projections are, but I bet you they're too high. Hundred percent. I'm using um, I'm using the uh, aggregate of of what's available right now. So Steamer and Masters Ball, Steamer and and, and Todd Zola's, and uh, let's see. So the aggregate reads 140 innings. So yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. So. So, John, you're in first place. John, you're first. <laughs> All right. How, like, how, how, how ready do you guys feel like right now? Like, do you, do you feel like you're in these drafts? You're like, maybe I should have done a little more. I know it's fun too, because, like, you know, like you guys both mentioned, being in it, it beats reading ADP. So you, you also get that edge. But, like, you know, do you, I felt like, uh, I don't know. it's just the way my brain works but i'm like i don't know if i'm ready you know like i i want to get more you know like be more prepared but at some point you know you just step in but you know is there a point where you guys feel like comfortable you're like all right i think if they come like you know after free agency or you know like or do you no I don't know. i'm not feel i don't feel comfortable yet i don't i don't have like the like the math done yet like I, don't, I haven't done like the trial and error thing i'm just sort of just feeling out just trying to get values and, and just sort of like gut feeling like i know that i need to fill my positions i know i i sort of can see where like as steve just said to me tonight tonight he's like um keep your eye on the supply keep your eye on the supply so like make mm. sure that like 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 you the supply of third basements keep your eye on the supply so that's what i'm doing keep my eye on the supply and uh just trying to make sure that i get like the good values and fill up my team properly just knowing what things work right just knowing that what what gets scarce and and what players i think are are good values where they are pockets value that's all i'm doing and hopefully the hopefully the math falls into place but it's early it's an early draft it might not necessarily have to it might 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 not necessarily and 
everyone in this draft is like, it's, it's a tough draft. It's good competition. And you're not going to, you're not going to avoid good players at this time because anyone that wants to draft now is a psychopath. <laughs> I feel, yeah. I feel like I'm pretty ready for the first, like, 15 rounds um but after that it kind of gets a little a little interesting uh, good call i like that like like kind of like i was saying earlier like like jazz chisholm was like my guy and i knew it like 23 24 round bam hammer every time i don't really have that guy right now not yet anyways um yeah so yeah kind of like the the later rounds i'm still uh i'm still searching for you know who i want to be my and my targets in pretty much every draft. Cause that's kind of how I like to do it is I, I load up heavy on the later rounds um, as far as player shares. Yeah. I don't really have those guys yet either. I was trying to get, I was trying to get some, some info out of Steve tonight. And he, I, I don't think he, I don't think he had an answer for that uh, either, but I think I remember last year, like Tyler O'Neill and Brendan Rogers were two guys like post type post type guys mm-hmm. that you can get like after pick 400 that I really liked. And I, I don't, and but the thing is, it's hard to find guys like that 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 are going to like have that for sure opportunity. Sure, you can you can say like Nolan Gorman's like a nice guy to have, but like man, like that's not a pick you want to take to the bank right now. Right. Um, so yeah. I don't, I don't know, I don't have anyone. Do you have any? Do you guys have anyone like that? Like, obviously, John, you're saying no. Search, searching for for my next jazz. That's that's a. If you wrote articles, John, that would be the title <laughs> of one. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> it would be because I literally, I mean. I think I did like 18 draft champions last year. And I think I had them in like 14 of them. That's nuts. That's a, that's a, that's a high concentration of players. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's like, that's like me with Jose Barreo, except like you actually picked a good player. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they don't always work out. I had a lot of shares of, uh, 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 who'd I have a lot of shares of did not work out the Brewers, um, outfielder. From from Boston, I can't think of his name. Oh, um, went, to, went to South Carolina. I know that uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they don't always all work out. Right, right, right. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, Jack. I remember last year when I came on your pod, you asked me like, who would be like the next Corbin Burns, and I said Trevor Rogers was. I remember well, that. I I did also say Keegan Aiken would be a chance, but Rogers. Yeah, yeah, you know, that was one of the you know like last year, like you're saying, John. You remember you had this guy, and I remember I had that guy. Like, you know, when the season ended, I'm like, oh, I, I just remember the way he ended the season. He was throwing hard. He was pretty effective. Like, like oh, this this guy looks like he could be a danger and pick whatever five thirty when he was starting off. You know, I feel like oh yeah, this is the guy I might give you that bump. And then you know, I started picking him, and then again, he was like Logan Webb where he started becoming really expensive, you know, um, for my liking, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I feel like, um, anyone, anyone that's like, you think is going to be like next year's Trevor, Trevor Rogers, who was going through and pick 500 around this time last year, all those people that I have in my head are going like pick 200 now. Like, right. I don't know if you want to talk about a Rob, but you're barely over pick. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but that's, that's, it's a fairly early selection for him, but he's a, he's a guy that's sort of in that realm of players. It's unheralded a little bit, but um, he could outperform what he did last year by quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, that, that was too, like, um, uh, I felt like when, when I was looking at a couple of the draft champions uh, boards, 
um, from others. I saw where he was going and, um, you know, I don't know. I felt like I had targets of, I guess, and this is what happened in your brain too. Like, you know, you, you have targets in your head and you're like, I want to grab, um, I knew I wasn't going to get pitching early. My plan was to get them bats early and then take more pitching in a mini run, like kind of like John did, but earlier. And, you know, I wanted, you know, just like from a range of guys like uh, Cease, uh, Kopech and um, um, Webb, they just went way, way ahead of, and Manoa, you know, just guys like that, where I just was like, hey, maybe get one or two of them. I got none of them. So uh, Ober was another guy I kind of liked, but it was like, well, I don't want to wait any longer. You know, I'm just going to pick him here because I don't know true ADP. Like I said, I see a couple of draft boards and you're like, oh, okay, he's going there. Okay. You know, um, things, things are, things are going to be so variant right now, I think. Right. Right. Uh, absolutely. You know, and uh, once there's an ADP, people will actually inherently like adhere to that. I think, I think right now that the people are sort of, afraid that their guys are going to be taken so they'll make reach earlier so right. there's just gonna be more, more craziness until until that adp keeps keeps people in line right he he went um let's see to the adp that's out right now for the three drafts he went as high as 300 i think i took him out like, what 250 260 um uh, yeah so in the something, like that. In the, something yeah. like that yeah what do you so. think of, what do you guys what do you guys think about the joe ryan pick in round 13 like thinking speaking of players in that like sort of like not a full season yet, but look, look good. Had a good minor league track record, but that's pretty early. eh? I, he was the next guy. This is what I was saying with like, when you're invested into the, the, the drafts page, he was the next guy on the list, I think. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. So I could have sworn he was, I'll... but I don't know. So like, he's he, he the top one to figure out too. And, you know, he's got that, He's got that pitch that, you know, very hard to see. It's deceiving. Uh, I think that's why it's so effective at, like, not high spin, not high below. And, um, but I don't know. Ahead, ahead, ahead of Ian Anderson, is it, I guess. Right, right, right. That's so, interesting. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah, that's something probably I wouldn't have done. But, you know, I don't know. Everyone finds, I guess, something they like about a specific pitcher. Um, and like I said, I don't know if that pitch stays as effective as it, as it might have. Um, but it's interesting, right? You know, the, he, he, to see him next to a guy like Sonny Gray and Luis Garcia, especially Sonny Gray, like, you know, he's an interesting pick because, you know, John, I know you picked him, but like, I don't know. Um, did he become that much worse that he's slid all the way down now he was in the top 60 70 last year right i took him with the other draft me and john are in like yeah he's a guy that like i was i didn't take him in any of the early drafts and i started was talking to someone and i said like sunny gray like what yeah i said i said the same thing you did i'm like is it is it like i think his velo was slightly down and yeah, he, you know like, i think people make a big you know deal of the spin rate too but like and this is where i think we just underestimate professional athletes ability to adapt change you know say okay maybe if i can't use this thing i was using if he was using anything like i well i'll i'll, I'll i'm competitive i, I want to keep my job want to be good i want to figure out how to work you know without it or or you know i don't know i feel like he's made adjustments too in his in his you know uh, time with the yankees the time he went to the 
uh, A's and the Reds. Like he, he's always tinkered with stuff that hasn't been working for him. So if that fastball wasn't as good, maybe he throws it less, you know? I don't know. I feel like he can get around it. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I was on Sonny Gray as well last year. Um, but uh, if you look at his, like, Savant page, you're going to see a lot of red. Uh, he was – I feel like he should have been – his numbers don't tell the, the actual story when he had 155 strikeouts and 135 innings. So, um, you know, the strikeouts were, the strikeouts were still there right. and, and with Cincinnati possibly uh, selling appears their their sellers here in November or mm-hmm. giving up on the season. I mean, if he goes basically anywhere, I mean, it's a plus because it's a hitters park. It's a terrible infield defense. So, I'm banking on hopefully uh, a trade, maybe to your Mets, Rob. I don't know. What a sad! Like, what, it's so sad, like that. I don't know. It's that they 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 just don't want to compete in that range. Like, I don't know. They they spent up and then they they said nah, maybe not. I don't know. It's just strange seeing how things do that. And you know, like I'm not. I really agree with a lot of things Scott Boris says, but I really liked what he recently mentioned about like how you know and and he praised the Braves he said you know they they just took advantage of an opportunity but there's no way literally that they should have got those four guys for the guys they gave up and obviously too like and he uh, again he applauded the GM he applauded the fact that they stocked up on those things they were able to trade to make those trades but there's no way like Solaire and and you know Eddie was out. There's no way they should have been salary dumps. You know, like there's no yeah. way, you know, I don't know. It just he he had again, like he had he had a couple of good points, and that was one that he made. And he said, like, when you can see that there's only 15, 16 teams going for it, you know, that leaves all this other tanking available and where teams uh, uh just giving players up for way below you know what they should be going for you know i guess so it's interesting and the thing with the reds is they're not they're not far off from being a contender you know they have a nice they have a nice uh offense i think they're they're starting pitching maybe lacks just a little bit maybe they could add one more starter you know if castillo pitches like he did in the second half i think he'd be he'd be obviously amazing uh and then if they just added a, a, a bullpen piece or two i mean they're i don't think they're far off from being a contender but I mean, now that they're basically probably isn't not going to sign Castellanos. Isn't it, isn't it wild? Like, you, you look, look at Wade Meyer. Like, uh, again, the first two moves of the Reds, uh, just right off the bat, Barnhart, who's, I mean, him and Stevenson form, like, a great backstop, I think. And then Miley is, like, just gone. And, like, yeah, it's crazy. You know, Wade Miley, we know what he is. Right? He's not, not going to, you know, shake the earth upside down, but he – pitches to contact, he knows what he is, and he's effective at it, right? He had a solid season, which you, you think, like, a team would pay $10 million for, right? This team said, no, we don't want this guy at all. And then you have someone, a team, looking at Andrew Heaney, who the team stopped pitching completely, and they said, we want him for eight. It's just strange, you know? It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just like when, you know, obviously we know why, because it's almost like the Dodgers just want to, like, take this toy and be like, look what we did, you know, with this Andrew Heaney, cat, you know, guy. But 
it's just strange when you see those two things. You know, it was just one thing I was like driving um, to the store and I was just like thinking in my brain, like, man, this, this doesn't really make sense. I mean, I get why it's happening, you know, but <laughs> yeah, just crazy. Feel, yeah. It's, uh, uh, but yeah, the, the beds are kind of uh, just weird how they're going to handle it, but it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, what they, had, do. they have grown ball pitchers. And they decided to just not sign any of the shortstops last year that were available. And they right. move Suarez from third to short. It's like, what are you doing? Like build up your infield, your defensive, you know, your infield defense when you have all these ground ball pitchers. Jeez. Oh, Zach, brutal. here's my guy. Ready? I have a guy for you. Nice. This is a treat for all <laughs> listeners. This is this year's Jonathan India, right? Ready? Bryson yep. Stott on the Philly shortstop. I uh, that's actually the person that I was thinking you might say. Lock I, it I, up. So I, I heard somebody make that comp uh, comp um, the other day. Did you? Yeah. Um, oh, on on my other pod that I had with Mike Richards. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe I listened to that, and it was either that I listened to a lot of podcasts. It was either that one or the Road to Wild one there across and James Anderson, one of those two guys. One one of those pods said it. Right. I, well, I mean, Dombrowski uh, said he's going to give him a chance to, you know, he actually told him, told him uh, that come to camp ready to compete for the starting spot. And uh, I think Freddie Galvez is there as a backup in case, you know, he doesn't work out. He's not ready. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you go to fan graphs and look at their minors numbers, it's pretty similar. I saw him live last year and, where, you know, next to where I live, only about a half hour away. And it, so I have a little bias, but I saw him in single A and he already, you know, he's, oh, he's, he's 24, so he's ready to be there. But I guess when you see a guy too, I'm just like rooting for him a little more, even though he's in the Philly organization. Yeah, I, I, like, I, like, I, like, I like that call. I like that call. I think um, he's, he's a guy that I haven't paid enough attention to in some of these draft and holds um, just because I'm trying not to take too much icing. <laughs> but is he is, 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 is he is he icing though or not like is he like no or is he sort of he's like is he frosting or like uh, no because frosting is the best i mean frosting is the best part so it can't be so is he cake is he cake is he part of the cake maybe the crust okay <laughs> Uh, okay, okay, I'm doing the Larry David face. Like, okay, I believe you. Yeah, pretty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you watching the new season? Yeah, yeah, I've seen. Uh, yeah, I've seen both episodes. It's pretty good. It's getting better. It's getting good. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's typical Larry fashion. But uh, yeah, man. So this is good. This was a great conversation. I think we had tonight, getting our feet wet for the uh, you know, the new season, talking about previous experiences last year and um i'm sure we're gonna be uh seeing each other's names a lot in the draft rooms this year um, too much too much right yeah <laughs> hey, yeah. no more no more fish for a while no more george Montanez for a while jesus christ i know it's just it's it, it, it's hard like you know i'm like no way i'm getting into a weimer league and he plays in several dcs yep. But uh, it's fun. Thank you guys for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. Uh, why don't you tell you know you guys, uh, all the listeners, where they can find you guys on Twitter and um, you know what your plans are for this year in this fantasy 
um, in this fantasy region that we that we live in. I want to go first. Yeah. Yeah, um, get it, Zach. Yeah, my plan is to not lose money. That's basically it. And now you can find out. You can find all my work at Baseball Prospectus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's linked to my website. <laughs> That's it. Don't even, don't even, I'm done. <laughs> oh my God. No, baseball Prospect is great site. I can't say a bad word about it. <laughs> they have anyone who plays in the NFPC? A couple, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Uh-huh. Not sure. But yeah, well, they, they, they're, they're onto more important and better things than the NFPC. And you do a podcast, right, Zach? Yeah, I do a podcast. Um, uh, it's Good called thanks. the Draft, Cham- Draft Champions Podcast. <laughs> oh man! Uh, All right, and 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 you know, I I I know Mike Mike the Math likes to hijack your podcast every now and then. And, and, uh, and he, he like he likes to say he he likes to say he tries. Yeah, but I mean, we we, tries, we, 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 we throw him a bone. Yeah, 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 we, yeah, yeah. We, we, we 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 humor him. Trauma bone, exactly. We say, you know, we used to stay at work. Trauma bone, but he's a good boy, Mike. He, 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 I love Mike. I love busting his chops. Yeah. It's all out of like good, good intention because he's really, Absolutely. yeah. Because he's, you know, he's, he's a, he's a sweetheart. Yeah, I met him in New York. I'm like, I, like I know, I know you. Like I don't know you personally, <laughs> but I know you, like who you embody. You know? I know deep inside you're just a big, big teddy bear. So come here, give me a hug. And uh, yeah, no, he's got, he's nice. Uh, but yeah, um, I enjoy your podcast. It's uh, one of the ones that stays in my limited rotation. So um, I'm excited that, you know, we kind of, you know, have like a, a similar thing. You know, we like to talk to, uh, um, you know, I guess the same kind of player who are successful in the NFBC range. But I also like, cause I, I, I listen to you. I'm like, oh man, that's a, that's a, like, that's a good question. And that's one that I didn't think of or whatever. So um, even though we may have the same guests sometimes, uh, I feel like I'm listening to something completely different that's coming out of their mouth. So um, good stuff. I appreciate that, man. And likewise, I, I don't think I've missed a single episode of yours um, and you're coming on my podcast you um, soon because uh, we're, what I'm doing this year is I'm, I'm interviewing, I'm going and diving deep onto into certain players teams that were very very successful and consistently successful and you're one of those people so you're going to come on soon but um uh, i'm i'm it's it's quality over quantity this year so i've i've done two so far i've done guilds and i've done steve weimer tonight and you're going to be one of the next ones cool man appreciate it zach keep doing your thing buddy thank you johnny fish tell everyone where they can find you uh just on twitter want to be found just on Twitter <laughs> at pile of dial. I changed my name. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You mean, wait, wait. So I gotta ask you, what is is this just a mountain of soap? That's what I envision. <laughs> I don't know. It's just an inside joke with my friends. So yeah, I decided okay. to just switch it yeah. up, get, get a little wild on Twitter. I don't take okay. Twitter very seriously. I love it uh, because obviously, so yeah, yeah. No, I just love it. I think it, it just. It, Oh, not I, thought only, was, I thought this was your only, work account. I thought this was your work account. Not only rhymes, <laughs> it not only rhymes, but like I said, for some reason in my head, I envision like like washing your hand with with dial soap, like the gold one that pumped out, and you just have this 
massive excessive foam and it looks like a pile of dial and i i that's just the the thing i get in my head so that's what i'm 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 sticking with but it's what i name. what i think about is like a big pile of like those old rotary phones <laughs> just in a dumpster <laughs> pile so it's just, yeah yeah yeah, but you know what? Thing. You wouldn't find them yeah. in a dumpster. Like those things, like are probably like high-end antiques these days, where you you know you'll find on a, a American Pickers, where it's like, hey Frank, this is a 1912 um, one that George, you know, George Washington's <laughs> nephew's brother had in his house in in, in, in Queens. So I'll, I'll pay you seventeen hundred, and then they sell it for ninety thousand. And like, come on, you just rob people. Fuck out of here. And, <laughs> I love that show though. Like, I feel like, you know, I love to do that. I love to go to like a garage sale or a yard sale and be like, oh man, this, this is interesting. And you start Googling it and you're like, you know, this is not worth anything. But they don't have to Google. They just know everything off the top of their head. Like what year a motorcycle is. I'm not, they're good at their jobs. We know strikeout rates. They know all that stuff. So, but, uh, all right, guys. Um, all right. Thanks for hanging with me again. And, Thanks for um, having us on, Rob. Appreciate 100%. it. Enjoy, enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Love talking baseball. I did too, man. This was just a straight good, good chat. Uh, I knew it was going to be anyway, but um, it's just I love it when it comes out and it and it sounds great. So I'm sure everyone's going to get a lot of actionable advice and uh, enjoy our good humor as well. Too bad they can't see our handsome faces. But yeah. for sure. <laughs> All right, fellas. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. Thanks, Rob. All right, alrighty, folks. That will conclude this episode of the Poor Hitter Podcast. Once again, thanks for tuning in and continue to tune in for um, very solid 2022 fantasy draft prep um, as well as just some week count of um, last year as well. So again, we'll be bringing people on to talk about um, how their experiences was last year, some of the things they did right and wrong, how they want to get better. Uh, which formats they want to get better in, just a, a wide range of questions that um, hope to, to aid into your, you know, uh, what you do with player evaluation, but to also hear how a lot of people play the game because, um, you know, you could just maybe hear something that maybe you never thought about or you never considered. Um, I know I have just by um, talking to everyone about um, fantasy baseball. So, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in and continuing to tune in. Um, it's only going to get uh, even better from here. So going forward. So, um, with that being said, everyone, um, you know, you could be anything you want in this world. Don't be a bag of shit.